0: You're listening to Power Athlete Radio, a podcast dedicated to empowering your performance every damn day. Join former NFL pro and Power Athlete founder, John Wellborn, as he dissects the greatest minds in strength, conditioning, and more. Joining him is everyone's favorite coach and hair model, Chris, aka Tex McQuilkin, Power Athlete's Director of Performance. So whether your goal is to be the hammer, destroy mediocrity, or simply move
1: the dirt, You've come to the right place. Now, with the warm-up done, let the gains begin.
2: We welcome back to the show, Doctor Lindsay Matthews Cantu, Doctor of Cairo, Birth Doula, Texas A and M. Maggie had to throw that one Whoop. in there. CEO of BirthFit, and most importantly, Power Athlete Symposium guest speaker. And Power Athlete Radio Alum, episode 276. Mm. It's a big that was, Whoa,
0: that was that long ago. Huh? Pre
2: studio, pre-video. We recorded it right back there in our little kitchen.
0: Yeah, we did.
3: Where yeah. where in this? Yeah. yeah. Was back. I there? Yeah. Probably. I <laughs> mean right there, like on the other side of the wall, we weren't even in here. We weren't no. even in here. Wow.
0: That's why when I walked in, I was like, whoa, there's it's so different. <laughs>
3: <laughs> well, we actually have a studio now. Yeah. Not just a random. It wall. looks
0: good, guys. Thank I'm you. impressed. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Awesome. Yes. Thanks yeah. for
2: making the drive down from Wimberley.
0: Yeah. And there's some great ranches out there. There's some great people out there. And I think um are you allowed to say are you yeah you say Divac? You can say whatever you want. <laughs> on our on the Birthfit podcast, I have a code word. It's called DVOC. Um,
3: no, I mean backwards. we can call it the pandemic. We can call it okay, COVID. Great. You can call it the the, <laughs> the scam of twenty twenty. I mean, I'm pretty much fine with anything. I like the backwards.
0: Backwards, the Devok pandemic. <laughs> well,
3: we refer to those people as uh, COVIDians that we COVIDians, got from uh, yes. Mark uh, Mike um, from Vegas? Legion. No, Legion no. Uh, Mike uh, Matthews.
2: Yeah, Mike Matthews, good yeah, last name. Yeah, he muscle, for, on, life, muscle also for life, muscle for life. Name.
3: He, uh, we had him on the podcast, and he kept referring to uh, running into COVIDians, I love and it. I was like, "What?" And then I realized <laughs> I was like, "He's like, yeah, the people that really take this shit seriously are COVIDians." Yeah, so I was like, great. "God, it's a great fucking
0: term." Yeah, it's so good. Oh. But I think so. Wimberley used to feel so far from Austin or from New Braunfels or from anywhere because it's like an hour drive from Austin, and I think. When people started working remote because of the pandemic, they're like, let me see where I can venture out to. And they found Wimberly. <laughs> like, what the hell? <laughs> uh, uh, but I, so I was living in Austin when 2020, when the pandemic hit, and I played the game for two weeks like everybody else did.
3: Yeah. It was uh, three weeks to flatten the curve. Yeah. Two years later.
0: Yeah. And then I got read a bunch of stuff during that two weeks of hanging out at home, and I was like, Y'all, this something's off here. My gut is like big flags going off. And when stuff didn't open up, nothing like I was living on the east side. Basically, I walked to the um, Power Athletes Symposium oh. in twenty eighteen when it was at Native Hostel. Yeah, um, yeah, that was the last one. Huh? No, twenty nineteen. twenty nineteen, and then we
3: had one at the Austin, uh, east, uh, east Austin Athletic oh, Club. Oh, that's right. That's Remember, yeah, that was the three venues, which was uh, was a place on Congress we went to remember no that meetings. where the uh,
2: something something congress yeah we're,
3: yeah yeah there was yeah, so, it was something not so just a conference. clever name yeah it was like 2020 congress or something and then we did east off then we did here east off and remember it was three locations dang it was a lot of work yeah we love to complicate things uh yeah and then so much so we never wanted to do it again and then COVID hit which You're gave like, us a great excuse it. i was like ah oh, we couldn't do it again
0: yeah it's exactly like why i didn't go back to in-person stuff I'm still figuring that out.
2: Well, let's get into that. So a lot has changed and evolved as you as a business owner and the CEO of BirthFit, but you still have the same mission. Yeah. So let's start with the mission and then speak to how you've evolved and continue down that path.
0: Sure, sure, sure. So I would say our overall mission at BirthFit is to cultivate a connection and awareness within women's bodies so that they can develop a deeper trust within themselves. And we do this through now – virtual programming all online um general strength and conditioning programming that's nervous system based nervous system focused so that we're not crushing somebody's system you know it's a different feeling uh, training with us as opposed to like going into a crossfit gym and getting a wad in or training for your sport specific thing you know where it could leave you on the ground like Oh, that was, you know, that was intense. We want women walking out of the gym or out of the studio, feeling strong, feeling empowered and having that deep trust within their body so it can carry over into their daily lives and then over into labor and birth and into parenting in the fourth trimester and beyond. So overall mission, but yeah, things have changed. We used to host uh, seminars like once and twice a month, which is wild and, um, when 2020 hit, we had seminars lined up and we actually had a summit lined up. Like we used to do a summit every year. And, um, we were starting to sell tickets for that.
3: When was the last time you, uh, the summer that I spoke at? Was it 19? 19. 19. Yeah. I just remember a lot of women cl- like snapping. Snapping. They, that's their <laughs> inside voice snapping. I do got a, a funny story about that event. To, uh, well, there's multiple funny stories about that. Event, I know. I won't tell that one. But yeah, that's, uh, the bathroom. <laughs> there was a funny story that he brings up all the time.
2: Yeah. At the event, there's I would like to hear it men's men's and women's restrooms. And then I just thought rules were in play. But this was 99% women at yeah. this event. And so essentially, there was this long line for the bathroom. And I'm like, looking at him like, oh, that sucks. <laughs> they were utilizing both bathrooms as women's ba- like uh, bathrooms. Good, yeah. And I just cut a line of maybe 20 women <laughs> and, and like, just go beamed right into <laughs> the men's room and then come out and then like Get all, all these of glares. them like, it's just like out of a movie. You have this line of women and then everybody's like leaning outside <laughs> of it and just glaring at me. I'm like, I can feel.
3: Well, uh, okay. First of all, there was no signs up. But there was a men's room. Yeah. A men's room. <laughs> and being like, I should be glaring at you guys for using my place. <laughs> yeah. And on top of it, I don't care if you guys are in there anyway. Uh, I'm like, so once you great. get married and have a bunch of kids, like, uh, like the amount of times I've been in the bathroom, somebody's kicked all the door. All bathrooms are open. Yeah, I'm like, uh, go use your own bathroom, you hobos. <laughs> yeah. I accuse my kids of being hobos all the time. Uh, but a fun yeah. event, so
0: yeah, that was the last one. And so basically, when 2020 hit, and everybody said no more live event events, stay six feet apart, wear a mask, all that bullshit. Well, we had to cancel and um, basically pause everything that was happening in person. And so we did a huge pivot. I had to let go of our teaching team, which was like an emotional thing for me. Um, you know, there was eight uh, eight women that did this part-time. And to sit them down and be like, I don't know what's happening, but we can't pay you all anymore. So you don't have a job right now with Burfitt. Um, We broke the team down all the way to there's four of us. And then we completely put everything online. So whereas it used to be 50-50, um, as far as like revenue in from online stuff to on-person stuff, now it's like 99% online. And all the in-person activities, so this is kind of cool, all the in-person activities happen through the BirthFit leaders and the fit coaches, depending on what's going on in their own geographical area. So people would reach out and be like, are there classes happening in LA? I'm like, yeah, but you got to contact so-and-so. I can't broadcast it mm-hmm. you know, on, on the social media right now. So it have, like in L.A., there are awesome underground classes happening. Um, you know, in, in New Jersey, in New York, same thing. But they would have to find, it was like, you know, get the contact. Sounds of the like going person. to a
3: rave in the, in the 90s yeah. where you're like, <laughs> yeah. find the guy with the egg and they'll yeah. tell you where it is.
0: <laughs> totally. Um, <so laughs> yeah, that in a nutshell, everything went online. Yeah. And in the meantime, I opened a chiropractic office. Oh, nice. Yeah. So being stuck... Stuck, I call it stuck. Being stuck for like two weeks or two months, um, however long people were stuck, but I realized I was like, I cannot be stuck at home like this. That this is driving me crazy. I need to be doing something. So I literally, I called. Um, I looked into getting my um, going to plumber's school. Nice. And I was like, there's trades that need to happen. I, those always gotta happen,
3: dude.
0: And we'll, we'll t- let's talk about that in a little bit because that's. Uh. I have a
3: I have a buddy who's a plumber. He's done work here for us. Like uh, he, he put the water line in for our bathroom. Smart. And, uh, all I know is uh, he has a very nice truck, and he constantly forwards me pictures of his new boat. Oh, I thought <laughs> you were going to say pictures of the shit he's got to deal with. No, 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 he, that's what you get as a dealer. yeah. Well, he he's got all like the young plumber like apprentices working for him, but he'll like once a month text me, hey, I just got a new boat in this, and I'm like, fucking that's plumbers, awesome. man. Yeah. I mean, uh, plumb, I mean, shit's always got to break, literally. Yeah. You know.
0: Totally. And remember what happened when everything froze? Like plumbers had jobs for months. Oh, yeah. So I was like looking into that. And then I even like reached out to some uh, local farmers. Do you need an intern? Like things, random things like that. But then I was like, okay, Lindsay, like you're reaching here. What what are you called to do? And, you know, I came back to Austin. I started um, being an associate at a chiropractic office here and um basically i reached back out to morgan morgan's her name and i'm actually going to her wedding tomorrow um but i said are you open like do you want to open and she was like yes i want to open and figured out we had the same same values same beliefs and she was like i'm tired of being closed i said let's do it i'll help you out um i'll you know be your support whatever you need i can be the voice i can be the loud one that's like don't wear mask you know that sort of thing um so we opened opened her office back up and i was an associate there and one of the reasons i wanted to be an associate there was because i loved her practice model and she concentrates on the nervous system for like anyone whether you're an adult a child pregnant woman anybody that's coming in we take nervous system based scans and look at what's happening in the nervous system and then make care plans based on that. So I wanted to see that in motion because I hadn't shadowed anybody, I hadn't gone to anybody. It's kind of um, using newer technology in the chiropractic world and loved it. We were open, we um, allowed people, if they wanted to wear a mask, they could come in and wear a mask. They could do whatever they wanted to do. We weren't gonna be wearing masks. We were gonna be touching people, we were gonna be hugging people. And I would say, you know, because this office is in Austin, there was about 50% right away that still wore masks. Um, the other 50% were like, yes, thank God. Um, and then slowly, you know, because people saw us being normal, they slowly started taking off their mask. And we probably had maybe one or two a week within, you know, by that fall, fall of 2020, that we're still wearing masks. Um Parents would come in and bring their kids and they'd be like, this is the only normal place we can bring our kids and play because we have a play area. Um, and you could see some, even like a year later, parents that would bring their kiddos in that haven't been socialized, you know, in a whole year, you could see kind of uh, the detriment of what um, the pandemic had done to them, you know, just in that short amount of time. So anyways... Did that, did that for a year and a half and then opened an office in New Braunfels, Texas. And that's where I've been spending most of my time. And it's been awesome. <laughs>
3: uh, it's been a pretty short drive from uh, Wimberley to New Braunfels, yeah. isn't it?
0: It's about 40 to 45 minutes. Because um, in the last two or three years, New Braunfels has yeah. blown up, unfortunately. But fortunately, I guess. Well, uh, I used to drive down
3: <laughs> there and see Rob and Nicky. And just yeah. the amount yeah. of time yeah. since oh, I was right. driving down there, I was like, oh, my God. Like, it went yeah. from, like, in in probably two th- two years time like uh like it was the point where I, I hadn't been down there in a few months and I was driving and I got lost again. And I'm like I, I don't recognize anything. I don't landmarks. recognize anything. And that's where you hail, right?
0: Yeah. So I grew up there. I went to high school in New braunfels Texas. Um uh, went to Canyon High School.
2: Is that the unicorns? No that's
0: those are the cougars. Ah. <laughs> um but when I was there there was only two high schools. There was New braunfels and there was Canyon. Now there's five or six and I can't even name them all. Wow. I know so funny also the pandemic pandemic whatever I (laughs) I ended up joining jujitsu because um like I used to take walks with Kirk Parsley yeah I hit him up I was like what do you think about this pandemic let's talk so, <laughs> oh, yeah. don't,
3: oh even, had him on. No, don't even get parsley started. Well, part, uh, yeah, well, pa, Doc used to come lift weights with us every day. Yeah, that's yeah. what
0: he said. So, I would get filled in on how y'all were doing. And then he was like, why don't you just join SBG? I go down there. He only went down there like once a week, maybe once a month. But, um, so I joined the gym because they didn't believe like a yeah. jujitsu gym does not believe in DVOC. Like, you sweat all over each other, you're in each other's personal space. So I joined that gym. I was uh, driving to New Braunfels, working in Austin, but I was like basically living my life like, you know, DVOC free. So finally, people kept asking me, "Where's, where's a great chiropractic office, a nervous system based chiropractic office in New Braunfels? I was like, there's not one. Okay. God spoke to me. Lindsay opened an office. Let's do it
3: dude uh you're you're killing me on what were we calling divak divak because uh another chelsea heart one you know we got the bye from chelsea but also she's like yeah we went out and we're searching for the Dioc, and i was like i was like she's like uh, she said that to me once i'm like, different i was like the what different and then she said it and she's like and then she spelled it out and i was like oh the Dioc, i get it so when you said it i was like instantly another chelsea heart back. like bye, and the Dioc oh god uh, <laughs> well which, which now actually as you're saying it i'm like it has dual meanings you're like oh dude yeah. we got de in fucking 2020 <laughs> yeah they
2: fucking scammed us you introduced nervous system based chiropractic <laughs>
3: that's <bringing> us back. <laughs> that's, that's his job he has a little notepad and, and and it basically says whenever we get off the rails i gotta oh. bring it back yeah here's his mantra yeah
2: i have 10 commandments to follow <laughs> the But nervous system, I'd never heard of this until essentially meeting you. Yeah. So what is the focus of, you know, I thought it was just, hey, this is the, you know, doctorate of Cairo. Get your back cracked.
0: Yeah, totally. So I'll give you like my story of chiropractic and it very much relates to this. So what drew me into chiropractic was the philosophy of chiropractic, which basically in a nutshell is the power that made the body can heal the body when left with no interference, we optimize it, we get out of the way, you know, the power that made the body can heal the body. We all have this beautiful innate intelligence in us. And, you know, I believe that's God's gift. God shines down on us. Then we just, you know, like a plant, just give it water and sunshine and it'll blossom. We can do the same. Um, so you learn that, especially if you have really good philosophy classes in school, or you read the chiropractic green books, which are like special um or you know anything from like fred barge he's a great og chiropractor but then you get um into chiropractic and right out of school you're trying to make money and late in the 80s early 90s chiropractic was heavily driven by insurance and um getting um just reimbursements from insurance and so chiropractors did make good money in the 80s and 90s from being in the insurance model so there's some that like got, got got swooped up that way, and that's where chiropractic became a lot of like um, pain-based focus.
3: Well, and a lot of charlatans. Yeah, you know, with the cracking, what, what I call the cracking jack. Yeah, where it's like, oh, crack your neck. Here's twenty bucks. Yeah, like, like just give me the cracking
0: jack. Mm-hmm. And there's no specif- specificity to that. Yeah. It's just like um, it's almost like a, a, a drug. You know, it releases a little bit of oxytocin, feel good hormones, and do it again, but there's no intention or specificity behind it. Um, and so myself, after chiropractic school, I got drawn into the sports rehab world, which I love and, you know, totally served its purpose with me. Like it helped me design everything within BirthFit as far as like programs and stuff go. And I had an awesome opportunity, you know, down at the Olympic Training Center in San Diego traveling with certain athletes, act, uh, actors, actresses, and getting them ready for their stunts, um, performing, rehabbing, recovery, that sort of thing. Um, but then there's always something drawing me back to the philosophy of chiropractic. But I personally, myself, I could never articulate that as like, hey, trust me, like your body can do what it's designed to do because we had no tools in chiropractic to show people So enter this tool called the CLA Insight Scanner, and it is basically scans your nervous system, and and we do three scans at our office. One, we test HRV, which is heart rate variability, Mm -hmm. and on the simplest um, scale, it measures the variation between heartbeats. And you want more variation because you're more adaptable, more resilient, stronger, faster, harder to kill. and you know hrv is a great uh, biomarker and that if you're you know if you're wearing any of these uh, things that are measuring hrv you look at the hrv trends if it's trending up probably a great day to train if it's trending down your body's probably dealing with a little more stress as stimulus might not be such a great day to you know run sprints or go for your pr go for a back squat pr or whatever Um, So just being mindful of that. And, you know, we utilize that within birth that within our training, because it's really the only um, biomarker that makes any sense for pregnancy. Um, So we measure that in our office, then we also do uh, neuromuscular fatigue scans in the form of like a thermal scan. So we're measuring kind of the heat in and around the spine. And then we do um, an EMG scan or an energy scan. And it's we say it's the equivalent of a heart EKG, but we're looking at um, how the nervous system takes in information through each of our like uh, uh, eyes, like sight, smell, taste, hearing, and where it gets hung up as far as obstacles within the spinal levels, like traffic jams in LA is what you know the metaphor I use, uh, or in Austin now, um, you know, or is it being distributed evenly? Are we using our energy efficiently, or are we just wasting our energy you know at the top of our neck and nothing's getting down to the rest of our spine so we look at that and I do a ton of preconception consults pregnancy postpartum and I've had a grip of preconception stuff I did them virtual till we opened the office but a lot of women and their husband partners boyfriends are you know waking up to the The kind of bs that is the western medicine system and they're realizing okay nothing is wellness care in that model like it's all looking at individual organs or systems so what looks at my body as a whole okay well the nervous system governs the body as a whole and that influences your musculoskeletal system so i say neuromusculoskeletal system influences your reproductive organs breath, everything. So who takes care of the nervous system? Well, a nervous system-based chiropractor, not a pain-based chiropractor. So that's what brought me back to, um, I would say, the, the origin, the essence of chiropractic and being able to show people these scans. And we do scans every 12 visits. So sh- being able to show them their progress through just images and people, um, you know, Images are so great for the visual. People resonate so well with that. Um, And um, being able to show people their progress along with, um, you know, being really intentional with our adjustments. So whenever somebody comes in, we may do more neurotonal stuff, which is, you know, we say gentle or, um, you know, moving energy (laughs) um texas giving me a funny look but uh, just waving your hands around them (laughs) yeah just checking their aura well
3: well, texas isn't a big believer in (laughs) in uh in energy and more importantly in like mysticism so like you got to have a little bit of faith i am a big fan of ghostbusters but i that's uh, a (laughs) uh, Uh, start i need to go in and like see these machines in action well uh it's like dr Bueller's stuff you know, like his stuff is uh, like what I really appreciate about his is that it's uh, like muscle doesn't fire. I do. I clear the yeah. muscle and now the muscle fires. And it's really the only thing I've ever done. Um, like uh, if I have something's fucked up, I go see Dr. Bob. I don't know if you know Bob, uh, Dr. Bob Myers. Mm-mm. So he, uh, he works with UT. He's a chiro. Cool. And uh, if like I have a, a herniated disc in my yeah. neck and uh, I can like wake up one morning and be like, oh, it's fucked up. And I'll call (laughs) Bob and Bob will go and like put some traction and give me like, and kind of do a few adjustments and it's fine. Awesome. And, uh, like he's really good for like, if something's fucked up, I go see him specific for that. And, uh, other than that, if I feel pretty good, but I also know Dr. Bueller, um, who I've spent a ton of time with, uh, told me that they have research, but unfortunately it's never been highly publicized that if you see a chiropractor at least once a week, your chance of like injury and all these like mortality reduces by like 80%. Yeah. Just having somebody totally. just do some basic like manipulation movement of the body, like 80% of these illnesses end up disappearing. Yeah. I see that point, but I like specificity
2: <laughs> better. So I know the what? value of, hey, if you go exercise 60 minutes, uh, three times a week. Sure. But then I know, okay, if we get specific with said exercise, mm-hmm. so I'm leaning – and following well, yeah, and if you have the scans specific.
0: so what somebody does when they come to us we scan them design a care plan specific for them and with like if let's say they're preconception and i look at this and they want to get pregnant in the next year like, oh my gosh we need to clear some stuff out here we may do we may actually do two or three times a week initially do some blood work some um, hormone testing some um, uh what do you, h htma testing so we're testing their hair tissue mineral analysis um, to see what they've been doing in the previous three months
2: what do, you, what, what do you look for there
0: so when you is that better do, than blood work well if you put them together they're all good together yeah. now i don't say one has weight over the other but if your blood work um if you do just a regular blood chemistry and um
3: that's it, a snapshot in time so, yeah, so, yeah. Blood, so blood, blood work is a snapshot when they do like the hair follicle stuff. Now they can look at like environmental toxins over a long period of time. Yeah. So what's, um, I don't know if, uh, I've talked about it on the podcast, but, um, I read Dr. Swan's book, uh, countdown. Mm. I have, uh, <laughs> I, I like, I was emotionally shook. For about a week like to ask chris like i was like i i like i just don't even know if i want to go on in this world well, there's yeah. no
0: hope for the human population well i mean uh
3: you know she pretty much established that um we're endangered species yeah we are um, so we're over so in 1960 the average family had five uh kids now we're down to less than 2.2 kids i yeah. think is is the number of the average person so like in terms of declining population we are classified as uh, endangered species yeah. um, the were what was it like sixty to eighty percent less fertile than we were our grandparents. So the average male today is sixty to eighty percent less fertile than his yeah. grandfather. He produces like one tenth the amount of sperm cells. Um, sex pine globulin and hormone, which for our grandparents was like maybe a ten, is now seventy to one hundred and fifty. Which is you know that eats a free testosterone. I mean um, uh, the testosterone. Environment, yeah, is, is is like I mean, and then you
2: wonder. Did, like, because uh, we spoke mostly about the like the male side of things, did she speak on the
3: female uh, as well? Oh, yeah, because because where she Cause, pulled because you it. were just bringing up the because it's two dudes talking about yeah, it right I'm I'm not over there talking about birth rates and this, but like the, uh, well, you, maybe you were, and I was just yeah, zoned well, you out, you out. <laughs> bad well, energy. Well, so for since the beginning of time, um, any time that let's say a couple can't get pregnant, the I guess emphasis and like the impetus has blame, always been yeah. like the it's always been shouldered by the woman. You know, oh, we can't get pregnant because of you. So what she did is she went in and looked at all these sperm banks. And, you know, and what's great about this is this is like historical data that they have because they have to test the sperm to see if it's viable. And so they were able to pull like 60, 80 years of of whatever she had. And uh, the amount of male fertility uh, problems have like exponentially exploded. Um, She also talked about like autism being tied to the father, um, not to the mother. Um, but then also uh, like I think a woman is born with like is it two to three million eggs? So th- this is something I talked to my daughters about which is blues or minds so in the womb oh, Right yeah. uh, like at like as babies. They are like the eggs that are inside them Are the ones that are set within them. So I'm like technically all that they'll get yeah that, That's all you'll get but what's wild is that like they're actually conceived inside your mom so like they're the byproduct like so it's such a weird but then my daughter's like disgusting
0: stop talking dad yeah but uh
3: (laughs) so when i was listening to this she said that like you know women are born with a certain amount and like there's this idea of like uh you know over the course of time like you know even though let's say you know your monthly deal like one gets expelled like others just fucking go away Mm -hmm. and um she was saying that like uh like 40 50 years ago uh women in their, like, 40s and 50s were more fertile than women are today in their 20s.
0: Yeah. Whoa.
3: So, like, you know, like, you'll hear these stories of, like, I was reading, um, uh, what is it, uh Hilo Gracie, um mm-hmm. you know, the inventor of Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, had, like, you know, 29 kids or yeah. something, right? Like, had a gang of kids. He and his wife, Fittest like... Fittest man on the planet. Yeah, <laughs> like, had kids from, like, teens into his 50s. I think Horace, he, he had Horace Gracie when he was, like, 54. So, like, I mean, oh. people have had... <laughs> like huge amounts of kids over a period of time and they're like this doesn't exist anymore um just because the fertility issues like uh you know when you looked at like the the medical journals from even 30 years ago the geriatric presidency was anything over the age of 28 yeah and now they've had to change this but like the bpas the plastics um john sapolsky and i have this like um john sapolsky was on the podcast i don't remember uh he was up january 2021 uh or twenty two, yeah, twenty twenty one. DC guy, yeah, but he's a uh, getting his PhD in marine biology in Sick. Hong Kong. Yeah. So we have this like ongoing text thread where he just sends me end of the world type of shit, <laughs> and then I send it back to him. Super uh, uplifting. But as I was reading through the, or as I, I, so I, I got the book, I started reading it, um, and then just started listening to the audio book, and then finished the audio book, and then went back and reread the book because I was like, I, I, I have to be absorbing this in yeah, a different way. Yeah. And uh, I was pretty much bummed out for about a month um, realizing that, like, we're arguing about all this other bullshit in the world. And, like, the 800-pound gorilla in the room is, like, we cannot reproduce. Yeah. Yeah. We've effectively sterilized ourselves. So all these people that are complaining about this and, like, we're, you know. And they're, like, well, there's 7 million people. or billion people on the planet. We've never had this many. And I'm, like. Well, it's because we figured out how to keep women and children alive in childbirth. Mm-hmm. That's the only difference. Mm-hmm. Like the amount, and, and Lindsay probably knows these numbers way better than I, but like 100 years ago, what was the mortality rate of women and children in, 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 uh, in birth?
0: Well, okay, I don't know these numbers, but it wasn't. So 100 years ago, we were giving birth in homes. And anybody that, um, I want to say it was like, I'll, I'll make up a number, but um, when it got moved to the hospital, The numbers didn't change that much the uh, infant mortality rate instead I'm bringing in infant mortality rate the infant mortality rate they said would get lower when we brought it into the hospital but it really did not it did not shift the needle did not move Um, but the maternal mortality rate um, did get better with things like washing hands and um, using stare like yeah yeah, Yeah. things like that
3: so the um The biggest thing we figured out is, uh, is like how to like fix people within like acute stuff. Like you Mm -hmm. get shot with a gun, you get hit by a car. I believe Western medicine can fix you, and you go to the hospital. Anything that looks like managed care, or more importantly, like chronic illness, we've completely fucked this. But we've figured out how to like people that should have died. Like we've extended their lives.
0: Their life. So like now we're at
3: seven billion people, and we're like, oh, we we've never had this many people on the planet. I'm like, well, I mean, Japan just had a deal where now they're paying couples. To have children so that so if in Japan if you get married and have children they will give you a stipend and a place to live and there's like no takers what? so what they've oh uh, dude, what? Uh, dude. John, I gotta go uh, Japan <laughs> uh, so From Japan is, is Japan. Japan. <laughs> having terrible problems with reproduction like to the point where they're like scratching their heads and they're like we're not gonna make it two generations so I mean that one. It's happening in like uh, all these different countries. I mean, so uh, doctor the the doc that was uh, wrote that book countdown. Um, it's probably the scariest, most chilling thing I've read in recent times.
0: Yeah, she was on. Doctor Swan was on Rogan podcasts. Yeah. So if anybody wants like a Cliff Notes, version. it was about a year ago. Yeah,
3: and um, so uh, I read her books. I listened to the audio book. I went back, reread the book, and then I listened to the Rogan thing. And the one thing which was uh, pretty upsetting about the Rogan deal is Joe actually says, he's like, this is fucking frightful. Like, how come nobody's talking about this? We need to get this information. And I haven't heard about it anywhere. Right. Right. So, like, we we should go after. Well, I've sent her actually, I I hit her on uh, direct message. Like, uh, I love, like, I'm pretty good at guessing emails. I really enjoyed your book. Like, Uh, And asked her a few questions and she never responded not that she would but I feel like we should try to get her on to discuss this a little bit because it's such uh, a monumental deal So long story short to get back as you're going through and working with people doing hair samples blood and all that uh i'm I'm wondering i'm wondering about like environmental toxins like the bpas i mean it feels like so many so much of what's in the environment is effectively sterilizing us
0: i i would say more so the environment than anything and what you put in and on your body has so much influence in your overall health and that's men and women and i'll just insert here like my degree at texas a&m was in biology so i I studied a little bit of evolution and um you know if we're talking about the future even the the talk around um and dare i say like the social conditioning around um you know uh what's being accepted as man or woman like they're trying to i guess brainwash us into making this uh these fertility obstacles acceptable and um you know i don't want to I hate calling it infertility because they're fertility obstacles. Like we're designed to like a small percentage of us, less than 5% are truly, truly infertile. And now it's all due to what we put into and on our bodies. Um, and so once, once I start working with a woman once I start working, you know, ideally i start working with a woman and then she brings her husband boyfriend partner in, whoever and we start clearing up their system detoxing drainage pathways opened nervous system flowing more times than not within three months they get pregnant just because mm. you need a little support like that um sometimes it takes a little longer and usually then we get a little bit deeper you know what's going on spiritually emotionally what kind of connection do you have with this earth You know, um, are you ready to have a kid? Is your significant other ready to have a kid? Or are there any type of like mental blocks showing up? So we start there. Um then if I need to, like in that same same breath, I'll go into mercier therapy. So I'm also one of the only trained people in central Texas in mercier therapy. There's three people in Texas, three of us women. Um one's in Houston. What exactly? Yeah,
3: I was gonna say I don't never (laughs) for our listeners.
0: So um yeah, there's one in Houston, one in Like Dallas area and then myself. And Mercier therapy is, um, like visceral manipulation. So deep organ work. Hmm. So I basically, if you, you know, to equate it to like, uh, mobility. Kicking text
3: in the nuts. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Repeatedly. Hey, we need to do a little bit of, uh, organ manipulation. So I'm going to kick you in the balls from behind text three times.
0: Your organs are on the outside.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Because when you get kicked in <laughs> the nuts from behind, it, it's more hilarious. Well, that and you also <laughs> guarantee to get both nuts.
0: So it's like sometimes after a Mercedes session, it might feel like that. But we go, I basically get really deep around the uterus, the ovaries, um, any of the fascia that's in and around the pelvic bowl and make sure that's moving. Um, because if you think about it, a lot of people have had um, appendicitis or a surgery for appendix. Um there's uh, fibroids on um, uteruses, surg- laparoscopic s- surgeries like that.
3: My wife had endometriosis. Uh, yes, yeah, so so she had I would to have a surgery that. that would go in, and they, I think that's what, like scar tissue on the, on yeah. the ovaries. Yeah. So they went through her belly button and did that. Yeah.
0: So breaking up the scar tissue, making sure that there's no adhesions, like, you know, just like somebody would, like an ACL surgery, mm-hmm. like making sure that moves. Same thing. We want yeah. blood flow in the. I went to a doc womb. that
3: did. Um, um, basically injected fluid underneath the skin to get like the, the skin to pull away mm. and to try to like do, um, scar therapy. Yeah. So they injected the scar to try to like, cause what happens, the scar will sometimes stick down on the yep. fascia. So they try to release it. Yeah. And uh, I thought it was hokey as shit. And the minute that he did it, it like popped and I had this instant sense of relief and I was like, okay, that ain't bullshit. But, yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I use a little castor oil and some other, some other oils, but no, he straight, <laughs> that up, he
3: straight, he straight up took saline and like, awesome. like blew it up and like, and like the neat, I was like, holy fuck. Dude. And he's like, don't <laughs> worry. I'm like, oh, all right.
0: You're in good hands. <laughs> yeah.
3: The amount of times I've had doctors say, don't worry means I actually worry about everything. I'm like, oh, yeah,
0: <laughs> but that's what Mercier therapy is. So usually, you know, if you, like we were talking about before, if you can remove all interferences, all obstacles, the pathways are open. Um, but I would say a lot of people are waking up to kind of what's in their food, where they're getting their food from, uh, what's in their environment as far as like, um, women and the makeup products they wear, the lotions they yeah. wear, the oils, things like she that. She talked
3: about those, uh, call them, uh, endocrine disruptors. disruptors. So yeah. it's like, um, uh, EDCs, yeah. endocrine disrupting chemicals. EDCs. Yes.
0: Even in, um, the products that males use. So I've gone through like all of Lance's products. I'm like, garbage. That was garbage. Like, what are some look- examples? So even just, um, like Dove soap, you know, um, go, go look at the ingredients on Dove soap and you'll see, um, preservatives, things like, um, oh, like red dye number 40 in all, like, you know, that's in food stuff
3: so uh years ago so i got a whole bunch of tattoos that you guys can't see um the uh because i got a huge uh massive tramp stamp that goes from my butt to my shoulders uh the the tattoo guy was like hey use this dr browner stuff on the tattoos it'll heal faster and i've used dr Bronner's yeah. since like what 2001 2002 awesome and um yeah and i mean back then it was like super hippie hippie shit yeah Uh, so you had to go to whole foods and like there was uh they didn't have like they basically sold you a bottle and you had to bring your bottle back because it was berkeley (laughs) and so i asked to like would bring in the empty bottle and the lady would like bequeath me this stuff but on the bottle there was like crazy ass fucking uh uh, like like chants and prayers and that this was gonna like and then they they ended up changing it all because i think they got sued but like it was like wacky spiritual stuff so you're like in the shower like reading the bottle and you're like in there for like 20 minutes my roommate's like what are you doing i'm like
1: uh, just chanting I'm, I'm just i'm in here
3: reading the bottle on this shit and uh Don't come so, in. so we've used that dr bronner's and then as i was going through all these things i'm like oh man i wonder if i escaped because uh yeah uh, like all the fragrance it's actually the fragrance fragrance is, is what yeah. fucks you up and it's actually uh, not only i mean not only absorbs through the skin but it's actually um the smell like the pheromone mm-hmm. i'm gonna fuck this up but like, or is a huge, uh, you know, because you're taking it in through multiple senses. Yeah. Like our skin is our, what, our largest the organ, organ in our body, but also the smell and, and disrupts brain chemistry.
0: Well, and even, I think Dr. Swan talks about this, maybe even on Rogan, but somewhere when you mask the smell or change the smell, you're attracted to a different, um, different mate.
3: Mm. Whoa.
0: And so think about all the women that have been on hormonal birth control. That changes the smell. Yeah. So that may not be the mate you're compatible with reproducing with.
3: Well, the way I knew my wife. So my wife knew she was pregnant. um, And for two reasons. One, she walked in the house and the smell of coffee made her sick. (laughs) And actually, as I was cooking steaks on the barbecue, the smell of cooked meat on barbecue wanted to make her throw up and i was like because I, I imagined and then she's like something's wrong and then she was pregnant and i always imagined like you're gonna get pregnant we're gonna like fucking eat i just figured <laughs> we were gonna eat and everything i cooked made her sick smell sick Aww. and the only thing i did make was like ice cream she's, like, <laughs> ice cream makes and I, i'm not a big ice cream guy so i'm like what do you mean i was like that we were gonna be like eating like meat and like chicken. no didn't happen Aww. but then she got pregnant with uh, with cash my son and completely different She's said, like, "Coffee smells good. Steak smell good. Different pregnancies. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm. I'm like, dude. Uh, twin daughters will absolutely fucking destroy whatever <laughs> she gets. It's way too much estrogen.
1: <laughs> but yeah.
3: uh, like that, that's an interesting one on pheromones and smell. It like uh, um, the uh, the amount of uh, stories that I've read uh, or heard from like anecdotally from other men, where like uh, women get pregnant and so like, the smell on my husband makes me want to throw up." <laughs>
0: Oops. Yeah. I'm like, that's not good. <laughs> yeah. Now oops. you're in this bitch. <laughs> yeah. You're, st- you're stuck there. Yeah. Co parenting together.
3: <laughs> How do you manage that one? I don't know. Oh, you don't manage, you're like, huh, I don't know.
0: <laughs> With co parenting? Well, no, but um, I
3: mean, like, uh, um, uh, this is something that's really struck me. Um, like I never really thought about this and like, there's a whole bunch of, uh, I've come to the conclusion that until you enter into this, there's a whole bunch of questions that you would have never thought to ask. Oh, it's almost parenting. like uh, like j- just like in pregnancy, having kids, like, like everybody at least is a logical person. When I'm looking from the outside, you kind of look ABCDE mm-hmm. and then you realize it's, it's like AGBCDZ C, <laughs> like it jumps around. Yeah. Um, but everybody, I think, and I'm sure you've dealt with this, um, like there's this idea that like, you know, women take birth control, you know, because they don't want to get pregnant. And then the minute that all of a sudden they get married or their life changes and I want to have children, I'll stop taking the birth control and I'll get pregnant instantly.
0: <sighs> yeah.
3: And that isn't the case. That doesn't
0: happen. Well, just hormonal birth control. I did a birth fit podcast just on this because it wrecks your hormones and depletes you of nutrients and vitamins like no other. So you're starting from a depleted state. So the best thing you can do to get off, let's like, let's say you're taking hormonal birth control right now and you're getting married or y'all want to start having kids in the next year or two, get off of it now, start replenishing the nutrients and minerals you have or you don't have, but within your body and like B vitamins, B vitamins are a huge one. Um, minerals, minerals are completely depleted um like uh so the the extra
3: estrogen strips the body of of like zinc magnesium iron manganese copper everything
0: all of it and it tricks your body into thinking most tricks your body into thinking you're pregnant um and so there's a fake bleed um and that's not even that's not even a real bleed so once once you get off the birth control I would say allow your body just let it be for three cycles let it just kind of level out on its own and see what it's going to do um you're probably like if you had painful periods before you're probably going to have some of those um you might have clots released does
3: uh the birth control typically reduce the severity of the period
0: well that's some women get on birth control initially because of painful periods like Back in high school or early college, that's what they went to the doctor for, and that's what they got prescribed. Um, painful periods, heavy periods. They, I mean, in their defense, the doctors, all they had in their toolbox was hormonal birth sure. control. Um,
3: and then they, you have a bunch of men.
0: Yeah, you have a bunch of men. Men
3: that are like, well, yeah. no, my wife's a bitch this time of year. Let me just give you something. Yeah. No yeah. yeah. Which seems totally fucked to me.
0: And you, right. And they didn't even examine um, lifestyle, nutrition movement stressors sleep none of that so getting off hormonal birth control let let it let it be for three months grab the book the fifth vital sign and start kind of like troubleshooting your own period Mm -hmm. the best thing you can do um, is add more minerals add nutrients and right away I'll tell people grab um like desiccated organ supplements get on those get on minerals, take an element daily. Um, Trace minerals is also a good one, um, just a squirt in your water. But um, you're so depleted. And if you were to get pregnant, it it would be really hard because pregnancy, you know, once you're done with pregnancy, and you're in the postpartum side, pregnancy depletes you of at least 10% of your minerals. And then if you're trying to breastfeed postpartum, you're going to need more than any amount of protein you needed in pregnancy just to survive and thrive postpartum.
3: Yeah, no, I I uh, my wife uh, exclusively breastfed my twins uh, for 6 months and um I watched that poor woman like sucked her life force out. Yeah. Like I literally like, it, literally, yeah. like I had yeah. to the point where uh, she was eating everything in sight. Like I would go buy her these uh chocolate honeycomb. It was like mm-hmm. honeycomb like in dark chocolate and I buy her like a pound. And she would just, like, sit there with these, like, two things just sucking her life force, just crushing this stuff. And she just shrunk. You can't
0: get enough food. Yeah. Yeah.
3: And so all these, um, uh, you know, and, like, I I hate um, generalizing, especially for something that I don't go through. But with, like, pregnant women, a lot of women are like, oh, I I had trouble losing the baby weight. And my first question has always been, like, did you breastfeed? No. And I'm like, well, if you did, you would have sucked all that baby weight and you (laughs) would have got down to your fighting weight in, like, probably three months' time.
0: Right. And what, like, to, to that, like, why do you need to lose the baby weight in that first year? That's there for a reason. Usually it's there because they're saving energy stores, mm-hmm. nutrients for a baby, for breast milk. But exactly if you didn't follow nature's plan, then nature's going, what the fuck?
3: Well, <laughs> I mean, so breastfeeding, um, my mom breastfed me. And I remember when she told my grandmother that she was going to breastfeed, my grandmother was like, ooh, sick, like gross. <laughs> Like, poor people do that. Like, it's low class. Yeah. So there was this idea that, like, breastfeeding, like, like this is, uh, oh, this is hippie, totally. low class stuff. And so, like, in the 70s, that was, like, very hippie stuff. And then all of a sudden, it probably, like, fell out of favor. And then within, you know, maybe the last 10, 15 years, yep. it's become more in vogue again. Where we're realizing, like, why the fuck are we artificially buying? But then you look right. at, like how we were uh, inundated with uh, campaigns and this, and then the formula companies were giving the formula to doctors and they were pushing it. Like they use the same drug protocols. And then it's this, and Mm -hmm. like, it just blows my mind.
0: We just did. So August is breastfeeding awareness month. And um, we certainly made a few posts that triggered some people. Um, But you're exactly right. Like the women are of our society. Your wife, my sisters, whoever, they were undermined basically by big government, big pharma, and radical feminism. Radical feminism to get back in the workforce. Um, That was the reason my mom didn't breastfeed me. She was like, I got to get back to work. I have an awesome job. Um, Big pharma and big government, as we've learned through the pandemic, that they're basically in bed with each other. And, um, you know, there's a great book called The Big Letdown, that goes through all of this and um you know how growth charts were originally done on just babies fed formula so they plumped up and like so so much quicker than breastfed babies where breastfed babies are a lot leaner but in the grand scheme of things they thrive you know with also less illnesses um the the moms that breastfeed have less risk of ovarian cancer mm-hmm. breast cancer um
3: also, uh, the connection between the mom, um, like it, it was really interesting to like watch, uh, as a, as a dad, um, my wife breastfeeding in this and like the connection and yeah. this and she would like, it's a lot of like, uh, as a parent, as a dad, you realize that, um, at least from my side, like. I always joke that like I'm the, I was the assistant coach all those yeah. years. Yeah. Like that's like time for bonding. And totally. like, I feel bad for women that don't go through that because they never really get a chance to bond with the child the way they should. And Absolutely. like, there's like a, a ton of bonding stuff. And then I guess as you get later, it goes, but like, I mean, this is how our species has evolved and lived, survived for yeah. hundreds of thousands, absolutely. millions of years. Depending on who you believe, if you're, you know, uh, absolutely rich, Froning, you know, six thousand <laughs> years ago is when this life world came to uh, fruition. So you can't be a paleo, but I mean, we do know that you know, and also I believe the. Did you tell me this that religious or that uh, Christians believe that God put fake dinosaur bones there to fool people? into believing the earth was older as a test. Didn't you tell me this, or was that Luke?
2: Definitely Luke. I'm I'm camp intelligent design, and then we can't put the our calendar onto the advent of the world.
3: Interesting. Wait, explain that, what do you mean, our calendar?
2: Well, to say, oh, seven days a week? No, it's representative of a amount of time that we can conceptualize Put to, you know, paper to this. Do you know why so we what, have the calendar the way we do? So, have it? whether it's a millions of years where we can paint that picture as a day within the representation rather than, oh, a million years.
3: Well, the Sumerians. So, an the intelligent
2: design to present us the opportunity that each of us are special and have this potential, we can.
3: Uh, bequeath to the world.
1: Oh,
2: I
3: agree with that. I mean, the intelligent design thing does make sense if you look at it from the fact that probably we are the aliens,
1: mm-hmm.
3: <laughs> right? Like I, I like, like alien I, talk right now. I like I, 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 really I think, meant
2: to bring a foil hat for uh, no, other dude. reasons, so, but this.
3: So think about this. Uh. What, like like whenever people are like, oh, do you believe in like aliens and the whole deal? And I'm always like, yeah, we are proof. We are the aliens. <laughs> That's.
2: So you're talking Scientology right now.
3: It, well, no, but oh, it, yeah. I mean, that piece actually makes more sense the to me. The volcano in Scientology Ron of the Hubbard. aliens. Uh, I don't know about that, but I do know that, like, if a, if a, let's say just a ship pulled up and people that came out and were like, oh, we're at this other planet, and we just deposited you morons here X amount of years ago to see this sea monkey experiment come to life. Like the British in Australia? Yeah. <laughs> uh, or like anywhere else in the world. Like, that to me would be a better explanation of this thing than there's like some magical being floating in the sky above who's up there like the creator pulling strings. Like, I'm just waiting for a big ship to show up and be like, yeah, you guys were the outcast sea monkeys. We wanted to see what would happen. That feels more <laughs> realistic to me than anything.
2: For more on the this sea is monkey... Awesome
3: theory we listen to our episode with Brian Saunders because
2: that was pretty awesome
3: uh yeah no he had a good one but uh, like all this stuff and um this is where I I have a, a tough time like I think that there is a rational thought or at least I believe there's rational thought like like I can hear something and think does that seem crazy yeah. and a lot of times whenever I hear you know whether it be like um you know like we did like our children were born in a hospital and the whole thing felt wrong like it felt weird. It felt this like cut off. I'm like, yeah. this, this isn't how this, like, like this is,
1: this, is how this feels
3: very, uh, in money driven. Yeah. Like, it's like when you have your son, they're like, there's like a list and they're like, Oh, these are all the things they charge you for. And they, they cut the umbilical cord and they circumcise and they do all this. And then they hand you the bill and you're like, so wait a minute, if I don't have them circumcised and I don't do this and this, the bill's reduced and they're like 100%. <laughs> so I was like, well, don't do any of that. Right. Why? Well, I'm like, well, shit, dude. Like if, if it's like, I go to like, uh, if we go somewhere and order something, I don't get an appetizer. Like, yeah. I'm not ordering dessert. Like, like it just felt really just this weird. They
0: take the sacred out of it.
3: Yeah. And that's then uh, and then if you ask anybody, people are like, what do you mean? Yeah. This is just how it's done. And that to me is whenever somebody just kind of like, well, this is how it's always been done. Yeah. We never question it. That's when I start questioning shit.
0: Yeah, because it hasn't always been done like that. No.
3: <laughs> <laughs> well, it, like. It,
0: Maybe a generation or two, but. Now we're dealing with the problems, you know, of, uh, you know, birth in a hospital, 90% of birth having in a hospital, not breastfeeding, the environmental toxins, not knowing our food source, things like that.
3: Dude, my son got a staph infection in his belly button at the hospital. Uh, And that fucking, I mean, so Cashy was, uh, home for what, just a few days and got staph in his belly button. And I mean, that came from the hospital. Yeah. And then ended, ended up going back in the NICU and he was in there for 15 days getting pumped full of antibiotics and. You know, gut bacteria has always been an issue yeah. since then. But, like, that was a huge issue. And I remember we were there, and I'm like, this whole thing feels wrong. Mm-hmm. And so I'm glad that there's other people like you that are doing this that are giving women other viable options because there wasn't any other options. No. This is just what we did. This is
0: what we did. And honestly, that's what, whenever I started down this path, I was like, there's got to be a different way. Um, because well,
2: Was there a spark, a moment? Was it in Cairo school? Was it post-
0: well in Cairo school you're exposed to a lot like actually half of my class there was about six to eight Mormons in there and um, from Utah and they have their babies at home yeah. and I was like what? Yeah, yeah what how did y'all do that? weren't y'all scared well, and they're they, like, also, no.
3: uh, they also have people within the church who their job is to bring babies into this mm-hmm. world so like you they're call all midwives yeah yeah their own midwives so you call like you know their version of nine one one, and those people show up because they have so many children um, mm-hmm. that like it's and, and they you know smaller communities in this like it just fits for what they've done within their deal yeah and um and I like so I uh, Dr. Bueller's got a gang of kids and um you know obviously he's Mormon uh, but yeah him talking about like. Um, they, the church was really good at obsessing doctors or people in the community that they viewed as having some form of like skill beyond mm. other people. Like that person's a skilled healer. He's in the church now. Like, um, he, he always tells the story of, um, I'm going to butcher this cause I can't remember the doctor's name, but when he was a young doctor within the church, they, uh, he went to go meet with this other doctor who the church had assessed, had some special skill. And when he came in the entire, um, and I always get goosebumps when I think about this, but the entire room was covered with pictures of kids, like Mm -hmm. little kids and this, and he went in and he's like, you know, are these all the kids you birthed? And he's like, no, these are all the kids that I've, uh, I've worked with. And what he could do is, um, kids are born with Down syndrome or disfigured. He could go in and do physical manipulations and Mm -hmm. fix their faces. So he was showing before and after like the kid had down syndrome and now he looks normal and I know how to manipulate and push on their faces and do this whole oh. kind of chiropractic manipulation. Wow. And he said, dude, uh, like his doc Bueller told me the story, like you, you hear these things as a parent because, uh, like, uh, you know, I was, we were talking about my son's type one, like you're dealing with this and like, you know, like the neuroblastoma stuff just launched and I'm like, you know, we're, as you know, Tex, we go through this every year with the neuroblastoma and Wade's army but like you hear these harrowing stories of these parents and these kids and you're just like, you just want your kid to have a chance to be normal. Yeah. You know, I mean, you know, like, uh, you know, cash, we're up here talking about his blood sugar and like dad, is this going to be forever? And you're like, uh, no, like maybe we'll find a solution for this. I don't have that answer. Yeah, I don't have yeah. that answer, but like you'll always be normal or like, you know, like a kid is born disfigured or this and they were, when I talked to Doc Bueller, he's like, you know, the Mormons and the church were real good about finding people that could fix these problems. You know, and in, the problem is in conventional medicine, we just kind of go, eh. we can't give them a yeah. pill.
0: Yeah, we can't put a drug on it. Yeah, we,
3: like, like there's no drug to fix this. There's no pill. So we You're basically surgery. have gone into this idea of pharmacology to fix every problem mm-hmm. uh, instead of like, uh, that's why the Bernstein protocol we use with my son yeah. uh, manages most of his insulin and most of his problems through diet and exercise and this and the american diabetes association thinks that's fucking heresy yeah i mean like the the uh as i was sitting in the uh the children's hospital which does a great job in terms he was in ak his blood sugar was high they you know like they save him in that but then in terms of managing it um they were like oh you know uh, this is how you calculate insulin for the amount of food and i was like well, you are not calculating for protein and they're like uh proteins on it's or protein doesn't cause an insulin response And i'm like so you don't think proteins insulinogenic? I was like, I've tested my blood sugar. Like, I've I've worn a CGM. I I know exactly what it does. I can tell you exactly what 100 grams of protein does to my blood. And he's like, we don't calculate for protein. So we only calculate for carbs. And I'm like, well, then how do you ever effectively manage this? And like, well, we just have to give them enough insulin to cover 50 grams of carbohydrates. And that's what our goal is. And I'm like, for a five-year-old and and for a 50-year-old, it's the same. So um, it's... uh, Like, so for all of these, these ailments and these things, like, uh, um, as a parent, you just want your child to live a normal life and whatever normal is. We've basically completely altered the reality of what, like, I know is normal, what the listeners are knowing is normal, what you know, what like, and, and this is where we get into it. What I was trying to get back to this long belabor point, which is like, I like to think that I'm a fairly rational individual that can listen to information and discern where whether or not that sounds batshit crazy Mm -hmm. or not and the information that's coming at me that people are swallowing as normal is complete fucking horseshit and i deal with this on a daily basis whether it be in the training space whether it be in the health space which be in the food space which would be or or politics politics. like where's the non-fucking crazy thing i don't know if you saw the biden talk standing up there like v for vendetta yeah you've seen v for vendetta (laughs) when (laughs) well yes and two
2: we can go back and, and put this in training terms. So the inverse relationship between <laughs> stress and logic in competition. So imagine now there is stress of parents and childs and problems and issues, and you have a very high stress tolerance, and you're able to handle those. Maybe the there's people out there that aren't able to, and they're just faced with a stressful situation. So they throw out the life preserver and then... Make the decision based off the information that's I, directed. Out. I
3: never fault a parent um, for making the, d- the best decision they have with the information available yeah. to them. And the yeah. problem comes down to like oh, um, years ago, we had uh, um, uh, Jim Swartz from the, the Charlie Foundation. Uh, did I mess his last name up? Um, um, he he was the director. Jim Abrams. Jim Abrams. The director. director of airplane. Of airplane. And writer and director. And and also the naked gun. So we didn't know this. So we had him on for the Charlie Foundation. The Charlie Foundation uses ketogenic diets to manage epilepsy. Awesome. And this guy started this deal because his son was epileptic. They were at UCLA um, in the process of getting him a frontal lobotomy to remove his, because he was having so many. Three years old. Young, yeah, three, very three, young. three years old. Oh. They were going to remove a part of his brain because he was having so many seizures. Ah. So he goes into the UCLA library and is there for like two days straight, pulling all this information and finds ketogenic diets were used to manage epilepsy uh, in the 1800s. Comes back. Let's try this. Puts him on a, uh, a traditional, very ketogenic diet, like high fat, yeah. low uh, zero carb, very low, moderate to low protein. And they abate. and he basically saves his son's life awesome and uh starts this charlie foundation so at the time we were you know uh started Wade's army we were um you know ketogenic diets have always been interesting to me because i've used them to you know for um you know post nfl concussion, um cte whatever you want to call i used a ketogenic diet to kind of fix myself or at least start the process of fixing so we have him on the podcast and the dude's super switched on really funny and i googled his name (laughs) and all of a sudden it comes up that he wrote airplane and naked guns and my brother and I's favorite movie is Airplane. So, uh, but <laughs> long story short, uh, there's an individual who was presented with information and the outcome and what they suggested was not what he was willing to do. Yeah. So he took it upon himself to find a solution. And this is what I've I've offered. I yeah. mean, he, you know, uh, Jim Abrams, I mean, classic. And I, I've been, I still remember the podcast. So we yeah, got another thing to tell you. Uh, <laughs> I remember that podcast like it was yesterday and I remember him and I remember myself saying like, I, you are the best example of what I hope for every parent. and What I hope for myself is that I will not go gentle into this good night, that if there is something that's going to harm my child, I will be the fucking shining force that protects him yeah. and allows him to flourish. Yeah. Um, Rogan had, um Mark Zuckerberg on the podcast which is funny cuz I was driving with my daughter and we were listening to it and she's like who's this fucking Mark Zuckerberg guy? Who's this nerd? <laughs> yeah, she's like this guy's a total nerd. And uh, I was like, oh, he Facebook, smart. he's pretty he's pretty smart. Uh but he talked about the problems that they're getting into with VR and uh virtual reality. Um and so he he was talking about they're developing these glasses That you can wear, that you can have, you know, kind of a VR virtual experience reality. And he said the massive problem that people have is that our memories, and he got into how memories are constructed, our memories are constructed in a three-dimensional model. So you're sitting across from me, you're sitting here, we're in this room, Antonio's over there, you know, fucking around on Instagram. Hey,
2: keep going. (laughs) Keep going.
3: Oh, so... um, he talks about this like 3d model in terms of like learning and memory imprinting. And he said, he goes, if nothing changes in a model, you can't remember the incident. So he goes, for example, if you're on a zoom screen and you're talking to somebody on zoom and I'm sitting here and you're sitting here and we're both wearing black t-shirts and we're doing to drink coffee. And at the same time, this, he goes, based upon the construct of our memories, you cannot distinguish and remember Any form of event that happens, Mm. which is what has exactly happened to me on this podcast, where we have these meaningful conversations and they all kind of melt into one. And we're in the same thing. And then we, and then we meet people because we have branding. And if I don't, Harry sends me hate mail. Uh, but
0: (laughs) it's part of the tenets. Yeah.
3: It's part of the, yeah. It's part of our mantras. Um, but what it came down to is that. For the construct of memories to work and for you to feel like something, something has to change. And the problem we get into with whether it be Zoom meetings or VR and everything, that if everything is static and doesn't change, you can have an interaction with no memory of it. Mm -hmm. And so something that they're fighting for the VR and this uh, virtual reality is that there has to be a way for you to see something different, change something so that your brain can effectively code memory so you can remember what happened, which is why we've done like 660 podcasts. And when people will ask me specific questions and I have, I'm like, I'd have to go back and listen to it again.
2: Well, to go back and listen to
3: Jim Abrams on Power Athlete Radio, episode number (laughs) 142. Uh, But I remember it exactly because we were on... We, we were sitting an old power athlete we were on our mics like this like i remember sitting there and googling i like the dip it, it's a different scene so you have to change scenery to encode memories mm. that's why he said zoom is
0: Time movement is cute it,
3: yeah is awful uh he goes you almost have to have somebody offline like um he goes you like you have to if you're on a zoom, you have to be chatting with somebody like responding in a different way so that it's constantly changing because you can't code this, Mm. uh, just really fascinating talk. And then, um, but yeah, I, I was just blown away by the fact that they are trying to figure out how to actually have you encode memories, just not give you an experience, but have you remember the experience? Oh my God.
2: We're talking about the plot of total recall. (laughs) We are, (laughs) we are recall. Remember, he goes in, it's like, go on, have the vac, have the, what's the best part of your vacation? Yeah. Oh, yeah. The memories. The memories. Have the trip experience that you can afford. Always wanted to be, and what's the one consistent thing that you have about every trip? You. We can change that. You can be a spy. You can be an astronaut. And that's that's the whole pitch. Oh, my God. Fucking Zuckerberg, just watch Total Recall. Coffee. and he's making it a reality
3: uh the one thing and, and we did talk <laughs> about this so so the one thing that was funny on that podcast is uh zuckerberg is um he he bought some bitchin property like 50 acres in Kauai, right in front of like the world's best surf spot and then hired lenny kai and all these big monster wave like surfers to basically teach him to, to foil board and big wave surf which is fucking epic like he probably yeah. was like what do you guys want to hang out with me a million bucks a yeah, year, yeah. sweet." So he went out there, and he's foil boards and surfs, and then also got into, like, jiu-jitsu and fighting. And I always wonder mm-hmm. if he did all this stuff so that the one day he had a chance to go on Joe Rogan, Joe Rogan wouldn't think he was such a toad. Uh, 100%. <laughs> and He's like, hey, i got to get a black belt in jiu-jitsu because one day I'm going to go on Joe Rogan. And, and actually
0: do jiu-jitsu. And actually
3: but- <laughs> do jiu-jitsu so that, like, Joe Rogan doesn't think I'm a fucking toad. But he- here's the logic. You have older brothers.
2: You tried to impress them, so then you... You know, do X, Y, Z, football, whatever. So n- not you specifically, but that's that's the logic I'm but getting Zuckerberg. at. Zuckerberg. So that's what Zuckerberg did with Rogan. He basically big brothered him to try to say, oh, I'm cool, right? We're still friends.
3: Yeah, we're still friends, Shooter, <laughs> Red Lobster. And I could hear Rogan being like,
1: really? Hold on
3: uh but you it, you, uh, and, you? And, and and then at that point you think rogan's like hey i got some mats in the back let's fucking go let's roll i 100
2: if he didn't test him on that i am disappointed
3: man uh um i am uh, not a high level uh by any means but uh i would fucking love to ground and pound on fucking uh, mark zuckerberg i'm
0: sure there are a lot of yeah I'm take
3: like- this to the metaverse <laughs> I'd be like, all right, here's the deal. You get me in your best thing, and I'm just gonna fucking, I'll just fucking reverse fish hook you and fucking tear your head off. <laughs> uh, it, was, it was funny. I was talking to uh, Craig Douglas yesterday. So Craig, I reached out. He's uh, he's doing the plenary talk for our collective. So if you guys don't know Craig, he was on episode. Uh, he, uh, for our listeners, I don't have a computer in front of me. I, I know I, using te- it to record the audio, yeah, so I am powerless. To- uh, but we had Craig on, and so I reached out to him. Uh, just to see how he's doing, because he had an injury where he tore his adductor off of the pubic bone. Oh, so he was—I uh, forgot. Oh, so he was squatting, um, oh. and then all, also he's moving to—he uh, he's he bought a house. They're building it right off of uh, Nettie Brown. Oh, okay. So he's like, hey, when I w- we're moving in around Christmas, like, can I come train? I'm like, yeah, your fucking doors are always open for you, brother. Um, But he was squatting, got into a weird position where the bar got a little, knee kind of buckled in, tore his adductor off of the bone. And, uh, you know, the PT's like, oh, it's no big deal. And then he went to a guy. He's like, hey, if you ever want to, like, effectively, like... Squat. Well, no, but, like, uh, if, like, actually be a high-level jujitsu and, like, get somebody in a guard and not just have them fucking throw your leg off. Like, you have to go do the surgery. So he went and actually had it reattached. So we were just rapping a little bit about it yesterday. But, um, like... (sighs) I can't remember what the hell we were going to talk about. Um, Rolling with Zuckerberg. Oh, yeah. but but we were we were rapping a little bit about, like, you know, fighting and combatives and this. And uh, I mentioned to him about, you know, we went to that Flow lead thing and saw Gordon Ryan fight. And um, I was talking with uh, Shandi, who's one of the um, Robérios, who's up in uh, North Austin, about it. Like, there's, like, a really interesting thing with, like, jiu-jitsu and being a high-level jiu-jitsu player. Uh, and my question is like, I realize that that's a, a part of the world, like no gi and people are into this jujitsu stuff. But I always thought that if you're a legitimate tough guy, there's one place you go to fucking find out how tough you are, which is a UFC. UFC. Yeah. It's like, if I wanted to be like, if as a, a, in, in my profession, there was two places to prove how tough I was in the NFL or go be a professional boxer. Mm. Right. So like, it's real. There's only two places like, Wait. like you either, like, like either you're going to get out there and try to fight Tyson yeah. Fury. And prove or fucking, uh, you know, you're going to go out and fight, uh, you know, the best heavyweight in the world. Like, that's a proving ground. Um, that's why I think it's so funny about Jake Paul and these guys, like, basically trying to pull a bunch of MMA dudes who aren't necessarily boxers into a boxing match. Like, I want to see them fight legitimately against boxers. But mm-hmm. that was what Craig and I were rapping about. Because Craig's stuff, he teaches, you know, combatives in a million different ways. And his stuff is more like, yeah, jiu is a piece of this. But if you just bring jiu-jitsu into my class, you're going to get fucking smashed. Yeah. So.
2: With Andrew Craig, my buddy growing up, that we yeah. had on the podcast. His origin essentially started from bar fights and brawls
3: to then the UFC. So he's that ultimate... <laughs> <laughs> Dude. Prove yourself. Uh, I'll tell you this. Um, I, I've i always been a fan of, of boxing. I mean, to the point where I I started martial arts pretty young and I, when I was 10 years old. So this would have been 1986. I remember we were, I can't remember the fight. It was like, it might've been like a sugary Leonard versus uh, Tommy Hearns or Marvester Mark Van Hagler. Like it was a fight, like one of the premier fights and we watched it. And at that moment, and I'm even seeing Tyson, I remember thinking kicking is stupid. I don't ever want to kick again. And then that's when I got into like boxing. (laughs) Um, But that legitimate like tough guy piece is really fascinating in terms of like, can you do this? Like, what are you training for? And then I always go back to, do you remember uh i know you love this movie uh man on fire oh yeah do you remember when denzel washington did you know this one
0: i've seen it but
3: oh it's a great movie so i he, knew
0: denzel yeah. was in it
3: oh yeah dude he's the, uh like for him dakota and, fanning yeah yeah he's a bodyguard for alcoholic. her alcoholic so he yeah. and then what, what's the other movies he did with uh where he was the equalizer oh fucking, those are great too god damn it, i love denzel uh <laughs> But he he makes one of the greatest lines I've seen and something that I've clicked into my life. And as I was talking with my daughter in the car, um, when he says to Dakota Fanning, remember when she's in the pool and he says to her, he's like, uh, she's like, oh, I'm no good at this. And he's like, there's only trained and untrained. That's it. Like, are you, you know, like, like, like. And that was something that I, I as I was talking to my daughter, good. I'm like, you know what? Like she, cause uh, we, I was taking her to jujitsu and she's like, well, dad, like, how is this going to help me in this? And I'm like, well, th- you haven't trained in it. Like once you're a trained individual, now you have the skills to assess and use mm. them. And uh, so we had this bitch teaching moment, but it just goes back with everything, whether it be what you're doing or any of the stuff that people are listening to within the deal, are you trained and untrained? Mm-hmm. And there's some weird, um, shame with being untrained. Mm hmm. Whereas I think I I wrote a blog post about it. It's like always be a white belt. Like there should be no shame. And that was even when I talked about when we were going to our first class, she's like, well, what if I, what if I don't do well? What if other people are better than me? What if I can't pick it up? Or what if I get choked out? Or what if somebody does something that I can't defend? And I was like, well, why would you be able to? You've never done this before. Like you're an untrained individual. And like, there's no shame with being untrained. Everybody. And even when we went in and uh, saw Shandi, I even, I was like, dude, he's one of the top you know, Brazilian uh, Jiu guys in the world. There was his first day. Ask him what his first day was. How old was he? And he's like, Oh, I was six years old. I remember my first day and everybody has their first day. I remember the first day when I went to go put on football pads mm-hmm. and I didn't know how to get the fucking pads in the pants and like the pads were slanted. And I ended up putting the high part on the inside of the crotch. That means as I started running it, jammed me in the balls. Oh. And as we were started running in first part of practice, I had to stop and fix my padded pants, my, my pads in my pants because nobody told me how to put the pads in my pants. Like, so that idea of like untrained versus trained. And I think so many, and then this is where I'm fucking long trying to get back to as a <laughs> parent, like you go in and all of a sudden you see like your wife gets pregnant or your significant other, whatever it is. And you see this bump and you know, there's something in there, but like it's kind of like a movie mm-hmm. and like, and then all of a sudden you see these babies come out and you realized I'm totally unprepared for this. And I can't believe they're going to let me take these things home, Mm -hmm. right? Like, and then then, like after like a day in the hospital, they're like, okay, like show you how to put a car seat in. They put them in the car and they go, get the fuck out of here. And you're driving home, and you're like, they they let us leave with these things. Now I have to take care of these things. You're looking at your wife, Mm -hmm. and she's like, I don't fucking know what to do. I guess we'll (laughs) figure it the fuck out. Like every other human being that's been through this journey has had to figure this shit out. And there's this weird pressure of like, well, you know, this and this, and you reach out, and everybody's got all these. You know, at the end of the day, you have to get in there and you have to do the fight and you have to try to live or raise your kids or live the life that you think fits within Mm -hmm. your model of what you think is right and wrong. Yeah. And that's where I struggle with a lot of this stuff. And we were trying to go back to, I like to believe I'm an intelligent person that understands like a greater sense of myself and more importantly, what we're trying to get to. And when you hear shit that's so foreign to it, I'm like, fuck, that sounds really weird. And then you think, why is that person so far away from me? Why is their counterpoint so far away? And more importantly, why the fuck is anybody listening to this moron? Mm Because I'm not.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's, um, you know, one of the biggest things I try to do when I'm working with women and their partners is getting them really clear on their values and who they are in this world. And then even more so, what is their wellness philosophy? What's their health philosophy? You know, what do you plan to do? And this is just like an example. What do you plan to do if baby starts to spike a little fever? And those are just examples I use. But are you going to immediately turn to Tylenol? Are you immediately going to go to the ER? Um, or are you going to try to breastfeed? Or are you going to try to bath or things like that? And then, you know, go, go down the medicine route or the Western medicine route. But I think, um, you know, our, our culture has, deemed things like, um, independence and isolation as like positive things and asking for help and utilizing a village and, um, you know, being humble and having a forever student mindset as a weakness or surrendering as a weakness. It's like, I don't know what to do, like throw it up. I'm, I need a group. I need a support group. And, you know, we see that on the like most simple terms in birth fit, we see it with, um, Women they're like, "Oh, I've trained forever. I know what to do for for you know, modifications." It's like, "No, no, no. Like you're in season tra- training for birth now. You're not simply modifying the wad that's on the the board or um you're not powerlifting. You're this is not powerlifting season anymore. This is not um 800 meter season anymore. This is not CrossFit season. It's you're in season training for birth mind, body and soul." And so we're completely <sighs> taking a 180 and going a different direction or um training from the inside out. And I think um, you know, that's such a small snippet of the bigger issue like, I don't want to ask for help. I know, I know my body. I know what I can do. But I don't feel like, you know, if they're not clear on their values or a deeper trust within their body, if they numb out, if they use working out to numb out, you know to push through do they really know their body that brain to body connection that heart to brain connection is not there um so it's it's really interesting um that you bring that up and i think you know just through simple exercises that we do in like preconception in training in pregnancy and leading up we start to give women this confidence or this like because trust is built is in small instances and like you can look back on any relationship and see that it's not like Um, something that's an overnight thing it's through small acts and um, that's how you build trust within your body like okay i did this lunge where i used to feel unstable in a lunge okay now i can do a uh you know split squat with dumbbells that's pretty awesome oh okay i'm in labor now i might need a a lunge to um you know to for a few contractions and and to breathe in this position and so coming into that with that kind of confidence is is huge But it doesn't, it's not gonna, you're not gonna achieve that with, um, a fixed mindset of, oh, I got this. I know how to modify. Mm -hmm. You know, um, and then being able to ask questions and have a support group. Support group is so, so key for parents. And I think, you know, one of the big detriments that happened over the last two and a half years is isolation. We're not designed to live in isolation. Um, we as humans need connection. And, you know, one of the things we love, at birth and we put in, in all our programs is talk about the polyvagal theory and this is our our social engagement theory and um, you know it looks at the parasympathetic and sympathetics and there's um, you know the the one of the branches of the parasympathetic from the vagus nerve comes around and innervates our face and um, that really is our um, brain to heart connection and um, then the other branch of the vagus nerve goes down and innervates our digestion. So this cranial nerve 10, the vagus nerve, has a huge influence on our no- autonomic nervous system. And we have an ability to influence this through breath, sound, and movement. And that's what we do at BirthFit, breath, sound, and movement. And so if you if you get comfortable breathing, if you get comfortable making a little bit of sound with breath, you know, like on an exhale, huh, then okay, I can do that. Like, It's wild to me how many um, women are not comfortable making that kind of sound in front of their significant others. You know, just breathing out loud and long exhales is like allowing that to vibrate in your body. It's like, okay, how did we get here? How did we make a baby? That sort of thing. Um, But we love the polyvagal theory because talking about the nervous system and it basically looks at are we safe or unsafe? And it starts with facial recognition, facial expressions. And, you know, if you, if you're a woman and you're going into the hospital and you see people all in masks or, um, you know, over the last two and a half years, midwives showed up at houses with masks, but women were asked to labor in masks in the hospital over the last two and a half years. So you take away that, that recognition. And now your nervous system is picking up on cues in the environment that, oh, things might not be safe. So then that's going to signal to your nervous system and other processes in your body are going to get started on survival mode instead of thriving mode of health growth, restoration, or having a baby. And that's, you know, in a nutshell of kind of what the polyvagal theory is. But, um, you know, the, the nervous system is at the base of everything of, you know, what I do in my life now is like birth fit programming, chiropractic office, and figuring out are we in my body right now? Am I safe or unsafe? And baby is a hitchhiker on mom's nervous system. Yeah.
3: No, they're succubuses. They're little like, yeah. yeah
0: and it's, it's wild. Worst. So, sucking the life right out of you.
3: <laughs> fucking uh, yeah. cancer.
0: So, if mom doesn't feel safe in her body, how will baby feel safe with mom and then on the outside and so on? Um, so, it's, it's wild to think about, but um, getting so sure in who you are is makes makes room for things like critical thinking makes room for questioning um but separating people six feet apart is not the answer isolation is not the answer because then people get lost in their heads and it becomes fear and at no point do we want to make decisions over fear like it's either love or fear a cry for love um it's either an act of love or a cry for love and it's it's wild and if you think about you get caught up in the cascade of events that is the birth scenario in a traditional hospital and you've got women and their families making decisions out of fear instead of love and that often is where regret and shame and guilt and all that crap shows up and that's unfortunate because they didn't know who they were to begin with you know
3: yeah, no the uh, the the, the mass thing has been fascinating to me because I always yeah. you know you always hear the eyes of the window to the soul. Yeah, I don't buy that shit at all.
0: No,
3: after after two years of looking at people in mass, I couldn't tell you a single thing about them, <laughs> and I realized or what they said. No, well, uh, yeah, I like to the point where um you yeah, know my just take it off. No, <laughs> the people like wearing masks behind a screen, and I'm like I can't fucking understand you. Yeah. I'm like my my hearing isn't that good. I read lips. Yeah, and then uh, to the point where I'm like I just I'll fucking leave. Like, mm-hmm. I, I, just don't want to be in that situation of some dipshit, fuck, blah, 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 you know, trying to book. Yeah, literally. I can't do it. No. Yeah. And, um, and you know what? We shouldn't do it. Yeah. And I think what we're going to realize, and this is, um, I've made this pod, this point on the podcast since the very first fucking podcast. The minute that you trade humanity for ideology, yes. it allows you to do yeah. fucked up shit to people. Mm-hmm. Like, for, like all of this. I mean, that's, uh, people, you know, you always hear people like, I can't believe, you know, that, uh, the Germans set by why Hitler killed six million Jews. And you're like, You can't. You just let it happen. You just let it happen because it was real easy to trade humanity for ideology where now all of a sudden this is the ideology I'm following. It's really easy to just fucking cast these people away and dehumanize them. And that's what we did. Mm -hmm. And I think what's wild for me is, uh, you know, hopefully people have a long memory. Unfortunately, we don't. Yeah. Yeah yeah so because it's digital and it's not even yeah, imprint i was just gonna Dude, say uh that. when when zuckerberg dropped that little piece on joe rogan like i i, I listened to it like the, the clip like three or four times just because it's such a fascinating piece that they went in and he's actually talking because i've never heard anybody talk about encoding memories Of course not. uh <laughs> but like it other made, than 1989's total recall but it makes total sense, total recall, total sense <laughs> that you, that it's a, um, the memory is built off of a three dimensional model, mm-hmm. right? So like, it's, it's, I mean, and think about like the TV, think about how it just, it makes so much sense. I'm like, fuck man, it, it allows people, but also the other one is because the way that information is being presented to us, yeah. it's, uh, uh, like I almost feel at some point like, um, um, like almost like a, like a slight panic attack when too much information comes at me at once mm-hmm. to the point where like, you know, you look at social media and then oh, you got to like, get off. Well, like, yeah. uh, like um, I'm answering emails. I'm on the program. I'm looking yeah. at our slack. I'm trying to do this. I'm trying to write, like I'm, I'm working on that talk on, um, uh, what, uh, what strength coaches and mentors can learn from antiquity. So I'm like working on that talk and like, I'm trying to handle like 27 things. And all of a sudden you're like, I think I'm having a fucking panic. At that. Yeah. Like it's too much. And uh, I, I feel like to think I'm an individual that can take in a lot of information really quickly, like fucking force feed it. And all of a sudden you get to this point where you're like, I think I'm on a, like, I got to go outside and go do something different. Like yeah. I need to go walk away. And the problem is, is that the information is coming at us so fast and it's so processed. And so this, and it's, it's just too it's much
0: rapid fire right now. Yeah,
3: I mean, uh, and then like the, you know, especially like within the field you're in within, um, I mean, that's why reading Dr. Swan's book was just like so disheartening in that, you know, like I I don't think people put enough stress on the fact that the miracle of birth is truly a miracle. Think about like billions of sperm are somehow traveling through and like a, a, a portal to these these eggs it has to be launched at the right time and like think about the timing, and then the fact that the temperature has to be right and the environment has to be right. And if the eggs fucked up, something will get kicked out. And this and like the, like there's so many when when you look at like the process of birth it's and like the miracle. Like when people are like, oh, it's not a miracle in this. It's like, amazing no, that it
0: happens as often as it does, dude. It 100. percent.
3: <laughs> Like, uh, like this is like Robin Hood shooting an arrow from a hundred yards away and splitting the other arrow. Like that's what birth is, is the only way I can describe it. And so this happens over and over again. I mean, like if the temperature's off, I mean, think about all of the things Mm -hmm. that don't allow this to happen. And I'm like, okay, either this is a miracle of birth or people are just fucking a lot, which probably it's probably a little bit of both. Mm -hmm. Um, But you go through all this and I don't think people give it enough like stress and being like i'm sure you have women like it can't get pregnant and you're like i'm amazed anybody gets pregnant well like to like explain the process and i don't think people put enough stress on this about like for this to happen like just because some fucking kid you know uh you know two 16 year old kids you bang have an once accident and, yeah bang once in the back yeah. of a car after drinking a beer like i mean fuck. This do you know a, how
0: many stars had to align for that yeah. that's crazy well like women are only fertile you know two days a month like at that
3: and certain women are fertile before they ovulate and certain women yeah. are, are like the eight like
0: yeah it's fucking incredible. the sperm can live there they say up to five to seven days i like i tell people five days that's your fertile window around ovulation have sex around that um but the sperm can live inside the woman for up to five to seven days um, so there's really like a week at the most and five days is what i usually say that somebody could get pregnant each month. So why, like, why not try fertility awareness method instead of using hormonal birth control? Because really that means you only. Is, is that the rhythm method? Yeah, basically. Yeah. Um, you're only abstaining from sex or you're using a condom during that small amount of time each month. And um, you know I just think like I never learned I I never learned about cycle tracking until I was like in my late 20s we didn't learn that in school you know what's taught in reproductive ed is like basically horrible pictures of chlamydia and gonorrhea and it was like don't have sex
3: oh I I remember sex ed do (laughs) you guys remember sex ed in school
2: oh well I Uh, heard a comedian's bit and this is hilarious so the gym teacher brings a banana into class we're gonna learn how to put on a condom and I can't get an erection on an empty stomach
1: oh my god
3: <laughs> uh dude i uh, i remember it's so uh, bad that the sex ed that we had was so disgustingly like I, I just remember thinking like you gotta be fucking kidding me like yeah. like it was like uh dude, do you remember the drunk driving videos yes um, uh, ben Affleck was actually in one that we saw, which is, is even more funny. <laughs> You're talking about the movie Dazed and Confused. You know? No, no, Ben. <laughs> I think it was Ben Affleck was in one of the after school videos that we had to watch because now that I've seen him, I've been like, I think I've seen that before. And if we can go back and find his it, his face. But well, there was like a dr- or, or, or maybe, talk about the defining moment in his career. Or it could have been uh, it was either drunk driving or like the anti steroid one we had to watch. Well, he uh, did both. No, so. but no, but like there was like. <laughs> <laughs> this guy like he was a, he was either like a drunk or a steroid or something we we had to watch all these like stupid movies said like don't do steroids don't do drink alcohol don't do this and i remember the teen pregnancy one was the best cuz it was like i can't go to the prom because i have a kid and then (laughs) i like the like the the fat chicks on the couch with the baby like looking at him and it's like don't ruin your life (laughs) (laughs) dude you guys like they they got to be on youtube they were so Uh. fucking hilarious in like the late 80s early 90s we had to watch these it's like i can't go to the prom i have a kid
0: did y'all have um to take home babies like obviously i went went to high school in like a cornfield but we had to take home babies for twenty four hours, and if they cried, you had to turn a key. And- Ours were
3: made of um, um, uh, a bag of flour, so we had a bag of flour that you we ended up duct taping, and then we they had baby clothes that we had to put on it, and you had to like carry the baby for one of our classes, and I don't I forgot what it was for which one for like a week or two, yeah. and uh, I figured out real quick that I could pawn it off on chicks. <laughs> they like, oh, it's a cute, Mike. Do you want to carry it around? And they would be like, "Yeah, I'll take it." And I just would palm the kid off on the kids. You didn't have this. Well, I was eleven. I remember
2: sex at eleven years old because my mom was pregnant with my younger sister. Okay. So then it was like, oh, making the connections, and then we we had an egg, so we
0: had to care for an egg. egg. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but I think that's a great class. They don't do that anymore in school. Be too confusing. Yeah, (laughs) they have animation classes or computer classes or well the.
3: uh gaming the gender thing's real interesting gaming. there's a game Aim. well, well but, uh, <laughs> gaming. but think about like the gender thing is really interesting now like and i hope nobody ever takes it lightly but i do believe in this country people have the right to life liberty and the pursuit of happiness and you have the right to make your own decisions absolutely now go and be a fucking adult and make your yeah. own decisions
0: and own those consequences
3: yeah, But I mean, and, and I, I feel like that, but then yet yeah, we live in a fucking nanny state yeah. where they, you know, uh, you can't walk into a store with a mask for almost two, fu- yeah. without a mask for two yeah. fucking
0: years. It's wild. There. Yeah. <laughs> the time we live in. Ooh.
3: Uh, I posted a funny one. So, uh, like I mentioned, I was working on that talk yesterday and as I was coming through, um, a, like a, a, a quote and it was actually from Cicero and I posted it up on my Instagram, which is, uh. Times are bad. Oh. Children no longer obey their parents, and everyone is writing a book. And I was actually going to change it to a podcast because I thought that'd be more ironic. Uh, but <laughs> I mean, uh, Socrates wrote about it. Cicero wrote about it. Like, there's always been this feeling that the world's coming to an end, and we're living in the worst of times. I just it's wonder. It's just
0: changing. Yeah, yeah.
3: And people don't like change. Yeah. And yeah. Um, you know, the species that for that forgets to evolve or doesn't want to evolve ends up getting killed off. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so. You know, that's what the one thing that we've learned in, in on this planet is I think 99% of all species that have lived on this planet have gone extinct. And so I'm like, that's a pretty good one. And now we're and in mass we're extinction. In, yeah, <laughs> we're here. Uh, I like I, I would love to have Dr. Swan on the podcast because uh, the one thing that I didn't get from her book, which is like, what is it going to take to wholesale fix this?
0: Well, I think. So
3: I'm sure Rogan got into it a little yeah. bit, but like I, I didn't like leave the book. Like it was like, well, you know, Frank, like she got into a few yeah. of these things, but I'm like, how do we fix this on the planet? But that well, may not be her,
2: her mission with the book is yeah. to provide a solution.
3: Well, I think if you point out massive problems like this, you have to provide people some solutions that they can not like, like, like she she talked about eating organic food and washing it. She talked about uh not drinking and like not microwaving plastic and uh, you know making sure you have a water filter on because the water that's coming through our tap is heavily contained. Well, those are
2: big steps for some. You've already done that. Oh yeah, before, for years.
3: pre-book. Well, the, <laughs> the one good thing about every movie is if you watch it long enough you eventually get to the plot. <laughs> <laughs> and we're and we're living in, in this movie right now. Uh, I, I, you know, like uh, whether however you feel about the lockdowns, whatever. I think the the most interesting one, and I'd love to see the long term research on the effects of the children wearing masks in schools. Uh, oh, that's that's no. what I did write down. Uh, so you
1: mentioned
2: uh, Lindsay earlier, <laughs> when the kids would come in and play. Yeah. So you were open for a year. This is the previous facility, and you'd see a difference between the kids that had this opportunity of play. And then three, six, nine, when the people finally found you, mm-hmm. just the difference in even that small time of open yeah, up. Their
0: social development, their, yeah. their cognitive development, um, even being able to move. Like um, in the last, I guess it was in the last year, the CDC took away crawling as a milestone. Which is bananas. Um,
3: no, the, the cross patterning Why? what is it um, uh, what what is it called the, the crawl pattern is uh, cross patterning yeah is like directly tied to device? developmental process by using un- movements to move yourself through yeah. space.
0: Yeah. so they they noticed that kids were being developmental developmentally delayed, so they basically moved moved the markers back and took away crawling. Um, so, you know, this was, uh, this had to have been like, maybe six months ago at the beginning of the year. Um, so you'll see a bunch of Instagram profiles, like birth fit. We did a post on like why crawling so important other Instagram, like parenting, um, developmental profiles, why we need crawling, things like that. But, um, you know, if, kids aren't around other kids they can't see right. like yeah. motivation they don't learn how to they don't learn how to socialize how to play um and they become very insecure in their bodies and their environment because there's no ex- experiences for them like, we still have a kid in our office um he's probably about two he just turned two And his parents brought him into us. We opened the office in January. They were there within three months. But um, they very, um, I would say COVID scared. Um, So they didn't really see anybody. And, you know, being in the office, allowing him to interact with other kiddos. He's still not comfortable, but he's like in a place where he walks into the office now, walks back to the, the movement room. He's able to like interact in that way, but he still has to have his adjustments when he's on top of mom. Like it has to be mom. It's not dad. It's mom. Um, Dad can't bring him in, even though that would help out, you know, with convenience sake. But um, we see things like that all the time right now.
2: And part of the birth fit education is you're having ladies move and do these different crawling patterns. Oh, yeah. Dead bug work. So yeah. explain the purpose of that, of the mom moving so the kids can help.
0: Well, yeah. So like if you're just thinking about this postpartum wise, we use thing movements called the birth at basics. Y'all have like a dead bug var- a variation. Um, kids go through these developmental movements. when, Like I talked about this at Power Athlete Symposium like 2018 or something. Um, whenever we learn to move as humans, when we're left on a beautiful rug with like no interruption, no uh, bumbo seats, nothing, but just a toy, maybe a little motivation, like a block or something, then we start to move and we all go through these developmental milestones in a sequential order, in the same order. Um, and they ideally happen around certain times, like ideal, ideally crawling happens between seven and nine months. Um Maybe a little later, it's okay if it does, but as long as we go through these developmental milestones, that helps our social and cognitive development as well. Um, So we have moms do the birth at basics, and it's cool because they're doing that at the same time baby's watching them, and baby sees, like the biggest the biggest tool you have as a parent Autistic is demis- monkeys demonstration yeah. yeah
3: so we we yeah. learn um, like kids learn mannerisms they learn how to walk they learn gait they learn everything by watching their parents yeah that's why I like the more active you are as a parent and the more you move through space and this like you know good moving kids have good moving parents yeah, absolutely. it's just like uh I mean, the, the other one we found taking your kids to birthday parties is usually the asshole kids have asshole parents, <laughs> where like to the point where like you're like that kid's a fucking dick, and then you meet the parents, you're like, have you researched this? Everything fucking <laughs> checks out. <laughs> no. uh, like right. you'll see Case when you studies. take when you take your kids to school, you'll be like this kid's a little asshole, and then you meet the parent, you're like, ah, oh, makes checks sense. Out. Yeah. Well,
2: as a coach of teens. I see some differences between the kids where the parents are very proactive. They come and meet you, they're there. And then mm-hmm. the, the kids that, you know, are either dropped off or find their way to
3: practice. Mm-hmm. So even, yeah. you know, in the later years. So yeah. I think as a parent, you have to be a little bit of a blend of both. So like the thing that this is... I'm not is, saying overactive, no, John. No, 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 no. <laughs> So this is what I've observed is that as a parent, you have to like be active and interested and involved enough that the kid knows that you're involved in watching, but not so active that they don't learn to do shit for themselves. So there's, like, this interesting thing of, like, uh, I want to be there. Um, like, I'm dealing with this in Cassius football. So, like, he, um, he missed two weeks because we were on a trip and the whole deal. So he's a little behind. So he gets there. And, like, uh, I went out uh, first or the K took him the first time. I took him last time. And uh, the coach is working with like four kids to try and teach them to play. And then Cash and his other buddies were playing, obviously scout team defense. And so the coach is over there working, and uh, the kids were kind of milling around. And I was like, hey, is it cool if I coach the defense? And he's like, sure, do whatever. And so I brought the kids over. I'm like, here's what we're going to do. I know we know exactly who's going to get the ball because Uh we can see them drawing the plays back there. I want you guys to do here, and you're going to crash. I'm going to yell casino and you guys are all going to run. And so I'm over there like (laughs) coaching them up, dude, we totally were, we're getting them. And then they went to go play defense. And I was like, great, you guys are my offense. Now, this is what we're going to do. We're doing a bunch of misdirection handoff and we had some nice runs and the coach is like, wow, that was great. And I'm like, I'll take, uh, I'm happy to take the kids that you don't want. Uh, And like, it's not that they don't want, but like at six years old, you're trying to find the kids that are like, could probably help you win. And there's a whole bunch of other kids that are this, but like at the end of the day, like, as long as everybody's having fun, they're outside and they're learning it. Um, and I've told people, I'm like, dude, I played a decade in the NFL. Uh, I was not switched on at that age. Like there were other kids that were way more switched on. Like I would have been probably on the scout team. Mm-hmm. Now that didn't mean that that was like, I mean, we, we didn't have fly football when I was a kid. I mean, but like, uh, so like I see it and I think like there's this idea that, oh, this kid, like fucking you don't know it. anything that these kids are going to do. There's six. Yeah, there's six. I'm like, come talk to me when they're 16 or 17 or 18 years old. Now we'll figure this shit out a little bit. Like uh, Riley, the kid we worked with. Yeah. What a what a really nice kid.
0: I, such I love I, that family. I
3: was uh, like, he was uh, uh, such like um, not only a. Um, good-looking kid like physically like he's like a like he's a good-looking kid but like well put together like like good proportions like just physically like so um i know this sounds so weird but playing football like you size people up real fast like physically you got to be able to run the line look at a dude and you kind of like you go through like the the checkpoints like really well put together good shoulders like you know like a Good shaped there's, head.
0: There's potential there.
3: Well, he, he, um, so that's another one I laugh at. Like I constantly look <laughs> at people's heads and I'm like, oh, he's, he's got a good shaped head. It's kind of square and blocky. And you see other people that have like a pointy cone head or a weird fucking head. And i be like, that dude's got a weird fucking head. And I played with a lot of dudes that had weird heads, <laughs> but I was like, he's got like physically he's well put together. I mean, he's a little light on in his ass, but he's only 15 years old. Yeah. He's going to lift weights. He's going to get bigger. And I was like, man, you have so much potential and a really nice kid. And I like, and so I know when his mom came in and we were like, dude, I, I'm just happy. I'm, I'm One, I'm so um, like impressed that you brought him here because I know it's not an easy drive. And the fact that they showed up and she was nervous They went and stayed at the hotel the night before, I was like, mom, you did a great job. Like, we're happy to help him. And it was just a very nice kid. And it was extremely refreshing because I listened to Chris's stories, working with some of the lacrosse kids and this. And I know like um, there's kids like that and there's kids aren't like that. And that's just, same way it was when we were growing up in this, and he's a very nice kid, and I wish him nothing but the best. And hopefully, even to the point where I said to his mom, like, I think this kid might be too fucking nice. <laughs> he might be. He need, I was like, he needs to go yeah. live with Doris Walborn. I was like, you need to send him to California to live he's with Doris. you will fucking straighten his ass out in about two weeks. You would weeks. let him date your sister? Is that what you're saying?
2: Uh, what's dude, what's the, some of those old high school uh, football ones? So, so when, oh, you're so nice. Like, I let you yes, date ma'am, my sister. No, ma'am. Like, oh, yeah. No,
3: to, to, to the point where he was giving me yes or no, sir. And I was yeah. like, first of all, dude, you don't call me sir. Just call me John. And he's like, I know it's hard. I'm but, sir. You yeah, can call I'm, me I'm sir. I'm sorry. Uh, and I was like, call Chris, sir. He needs that. But um, <laughs> so my brother, uh, my brothers played college football and I was pretty young and uh, I was thinking I was in high school. And so the, I used to go and I thought I was super cool to stand on the sidelines because I like wanted to see it and I was in the middle. And I remember that the, my brothers played offense and they went out and um, uh, my brother's roommate or one of the guys was a guy named Heath Martin and Heath was uh, uh like the coolest fucking cat in the world he was from Georgia he had like a southern accent Dude was super strong like fucking big neck and he played middle linebacker and he used to just fucking murder people um and I remember he came out and their linebacker coach uh was like motherfucking two like two of the other linebackers because they played like a four three and I remember he said to the guys he's like Jesus Christ you guys aren't there doing anything he's like you know frankly you guys are the nicest linebackers I've ever seen. You guys are so nice. I'd let you date my sister. And he's like, Heath Martin. I would never let this guy date my sister. He's a fucking animal. You guys, nothing's oh, like safe as like a, a like, yeah, kitten in wool, right? Like like was killing him. And I I remember my brother came out and uh, after I was laughing, I was like, dude, I've never heard this one. He's like, oh yeah, dude, if you hang around long enough, you can hear some funny fucking lines. Yeah. But uh, nice kid, really nice kid, and I'm um, just but just physically, and I I think the reason that I'm stressing that is that his mom was taking him to these, uh, uh college kind of high school, like Baylor. And they take him to these schools for these recruiting things. And I know exactly what the coaches are looking for. And that's what I was trying to talk him through. I'm like, when you go over to them and I even told him, I'm like, Hey, if they ask you anything, you can, you can name drop me and reference me, tell mm-hmm. them that you come train with me, tell them who I am. Mm-hmm. Like, because there's a hierarchy in this stuff, it's like they, uh, that's important. And the one thing I guarantee every one of them, like, Good looking kid, well put together, moves pretty well, looks athletic, like physically looks like looks the part. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times, man, that airport test or the bus test or whatever you call it, well, in baseball, it. five tools. So they look the part. That's the biggest one. Do you look like your professional athlete?
2: Essentially, that's good for recruiting. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. then if you can't necessarily play, you look the part and they believe that they can coach you up into this professional.
3: Mm-hmm. Of course. Well, the the uh, I always heard this one: the one thing you can't coach is size. You know, and he's got a he's got a good opportunity. So now I'm 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 excited for him. Man. I'm just a really nice kid. Like I, I think at least from our point of view, you kind of get to these like point like oh Cicero like kids don't listen to their parents. All these kids are fucking assholes, yeah. and we hear these different stories. And you meet a kid, and you're like, you just you know renewed in like a, my nephew it's Luke, refreshing. same way, like same exact like really nice kid, um, super smart, like respectful. Um, You know, and I think those kids give us more hope and realize that like not everybody's a fucking asshole, regardless of what the internet and social media wants to do. The
0: world is not doomed. No, it's not doomed. (laughs) There's great people out there.
3: Unless we're talking about dying fertility rates. (laughs) I did my part. I got three kids, so I beat the average. Um, But like, you know, my brothers both have two kids. I was giving them shit. I'm like, you're not doing anything to extend the planet. I'm trying to grow the planet.
0: So the message of the podcast is to have more babies.
3: Uh, I think if it I, gives you more business. if I had met my wife earlier, cause yeah. I, I didn't meet my wife until I was 32. So if I had met my wife earlier and we'd started earlier, I would have had more kids. Yeah. Um, I think the job I did playing in the NFL was extremely selfish and I don't know if I would have been uh, able to be a dad and do all that I can do early on in my NFL career. Mm-hmm. But like in my later twenties and thirties, I probably would have been fine. Mm-hmm. But like that age from like 23 to about 28, I was a fucking idiot most Uh, of us are yeah no (laughs) i was a fucking moron um but at like 28 29 30 i think i would have been better at it um but i i think it would have been uh, if i had started much earlier i would have had more kids i would have liked to have about five or six of them but having kids is a young man's game Mm -hmm. like like even at like uh, having kids like i i'll meet like dads and who are like in their like mid 40s or late 40s early 50s with like a three or four year old and i'm like oh my god stay ready Dude, they're, I mean, uh, think about it. In my 20s, I didn't need to sleep. I would have yeah. been fine. Yeah. All of a sudden you get to like, I'm like, you know, 45, 46 now. And all of a sudden you're like, holy shit, dude, I couldn't do this again. <laughs> or maybe you could. So keep, training. keep we, training. We got grindstone for you guys if yeah. you need it. So what's yeah. next?
0: What's next?
3: Yeah. I mean, you're doing chiropractic. <laughs> You've taken BirthFit online. Um, you, know, you know, do you feel that there's a place well, to BirthFit back- podcast. I it's, was actually the initial, I think I was the first guest on the birth. Well, possible. she stopped
2: doing guests. Now it's just rants like Bill Burr. <laughs>
0: <laughs> he is my inspo on that. No I'm kidding. I love
3: it. Like I know you people love a good rant. We need you just, uh, just me ranting. You should have hey, a hey, few. John, podcasts. I'm going to spin you up real quick. Oh shit.
0: <laughs> Random topic. Uh, go. Uh,
3: <laughs> I like Bill Burr because um, he, he will like his perception of some things. is was really fucking off. Like, uh, like
0: his, uh, he's, He's hilarious. Yeah,
3: he's
0: yeah. great. Yeah. Um, his yeah.
3: comedy. Uh, like I, I like I'm sure you hear certain comics, you're like, oh yeah, yeah it's good. Bill Burr's comedy speaks to me. Mm-hmm. Like I just like he's been like, what the fuck is up with this? And oh, yeah. my best friend's from Southie. And huh? I know like I've flown up and met
2: all of his boys that are all tradesmen, electricians, mm-hmm. plumbers, bus driver, like all these guys didn't go to college. So you just drop in and it's It's basically hanging out with Bill Burr. They're all pissed off about something. They all got kids so they all got these weird ass stories and these accents. it's fantastic.
0: I love the accent. Uh,
3: the one that strikes me funny is Bill Burr was in the Mandalorian <laughs> Right so it, which is, is is hysterical. What I appreciate is he stood up for Gina Carina. yeah That's awesome. and they didn't cancel him, but they canceled Gina. Yeah and now she's a did you see she plays a um, FBI agent in the new My Son Hunter? Sign I me up. I I'm just in. saw the preview for uh, um, who was it Ben Shapiro and the Daily Caller started funding these movies and they made one about Biden's son Hunter Biden. It's called My Son <laughs> My Son Hunter, and uh, she um, is an FBI agent. Yeah, she's playing an FBI <laughs> agent, right. and it looks like the trailer. It looks fucking ridiculous.
2: Well, like she's in a western that they made, yeah, and she plays an amazing dame.
3: Uh but dude, I can't like I love her. like the trailer looks absolutely fucking hysterically fucking crazy. Uh, well it's I like, mean. he's over there trying to snort Parmesan cheese. I mean, it's well, we know weird. what's next for Gina. What's up <laughs> for you?
0: Well, I do. Okay. I do love Gina. Um, no, we are growing our office. It's growing rapidly. So if you're a chiropractor and you're listening to this and you want a job in New Braunfels, Texas, we're hiring associates. Nice. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's a great pra- place to live apparently. um, Growing that office, uh, we are open to having a family in our forties. So that's why we train. Um, nice. We'll see what happens. Fuck. Yeah. God bless you. Yeah.
3: If uh, if you can do it, I uh, <laughs> uh, like. I would love like. I don't think everybody uh, like. I don't think everybody should have kids, but I think everybody should at least experience yeah. what it's like. Um, but like I also don't like, you know, where people are like, Oh, everybody should have no, I don't think everybody should have kids. I think mm-hmm. you should have a basic intelligence test, like a driving test for it. Mm-hmm. But uh if you do it, uh the tired I was having children has never left. Like I was like, oh, that's like, what my, everybody says. Yeah. Like the parent tired. You don't ever catch up on no. sleep. And like, like, like it's funny. I came out and I saw my wife today or when uh, I thought like, um, she was in the kitchen. I'm like, how oh, are you? She's like, I'm already tired. <laughs> like she's 7 like, <laughs> 7 a.m. And then like, uh, my daughter came down, we were trying to get finished homework. She starts in tears. And I can hear my wife yelling. And whenever I hear my wife, yell at the kids, I go in there. I'm like, give it to them. Give them a little bit more. Put a little more fucking steam on that one. <laughs> I'm like, they fucking, I'm like, because, uh, like, my kids have been raised really nice. Like, my mom yelled at us at least 100 times a day. Hit it Like, she'd fucking fly off the handle. And I'm like, <laughs> I don't think these kids respect you. You got to fucking, you got to take it up a notch. And uh, she's like, just because that's how you were raised. I'm like, yeah, well, we were fucking ready all the time to get smacked. Like, you know, what is it, Josh Bryant's gas station ready? I'm like, you had to be Doris Walburton. Doris right? Walburton. Hey, new t-shirt, Harry. Yeah. 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 Uh, but yeah, that uh, that gas station ready. I fucking laugh about that constantly.
2: Uh, well, Lance uh, like, is the man. You have y'all well, like, like, a beautiful wedding. I hate yeah. I hate Sorry, to be that it. guy. Sorry, I missed it. Yeah. I had to interrupt your DJ, remind him that we are in Wimberley, Texas, and we need some country and western,
0: oh, yeah, please. Yeah. That's good. What what, good.
3: what was just like hip
2: hop? Uh, well, it, there was a lot of kids at the the wedding. It you was you can imagine. It so fun. it was kids bop, uh, and they were dancing around. I'm like. I'm in my boots. I got my dress hat. I'm ready hat. to go. I'm ready to two-step yeah. around here.
0: The the wedding was awesome. It was um, at Cypress Creek. Mm-hmm. And we had element margaritas. And the next day when I was like picking up stuff, the bartenders were like, we've never seen people drink so much tequila and stay hydrated. <laughs> 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 like, what? <laughs> okay, awesome. But um, yeah, Lance is awesome. He's... Um, Speaking of tradesmen, he's an electrician. um, And we were talking about, you know, goals and things for the future. And we were talking about schools for kiddos. And do we want him to go to university? And I'll intersect this in here. We're like, I don't know if we want to send him to college right away. Like, he was in the military. He was a Marine. um, And then he came back and taught CrossFit seminars in South America for a little bit. And then became a welder and electrician. He was like, I think learn a trade or go to the military for four years i was like i kind of like that like that is awesome because then you don't go in um student loan debt like half the world right now i was like okay that's that is a great thought i'm into that Um, do
3: you do you think college will still be a thing um i i listened to uh, i don't know uh, i I forgot who i listened to on a podcast was it it might have been it it wasn't elon musk cuban Uh, Mark Cuban's on a push, but he, it, it he's, it was uh, like pushing college for engineers uh, and, and,
2: uh, I can't remember certain business who that said it, certain it was, it was like, um, yeah.
3: if you're a lawyer, a doctor, obviously you have to go to school to get the degrees and do all that. But for most people, like they've removed the college degree mm-hmm. requirement from a majority of these jobs. Yeah. And like some like the top coders are like 13, 15 year old kids. And he's like, okay, but 15 year old kid is one of the top coders and he graduates high school and he gets a job. Like, why does he need to go to school to learn to code? He's already doing it. And we want that neuroplasticity. Mm-hmm. So I think that there's a, um, I, I had a great experience in college. I got to go play football. I got to go to Berkeley. Like, you know. Like it was, oh, I it, loved college. It, it was super impactful <laughs> to, to me. To the point, To the point where I'm like working with my kids this morning and like we're working on these, um, you know, like book report stuff. And I'm like talking to her about argument and like, you know, the uh, um, hero's journey in this. And I was like, and you know I used to teach. I taught in the uh, Oakland Public School District. Like this is what I did. And like it was so impactful for me that all, like the the maybe the thought that like that that isn't going to be a thing and they won't get that they experience. Get, yeah.
1: Hmm.
3: Seems like terrible for me but I'm like well I mean what like what you said like what if you learned to trade what if you went and backpacked around world, mm-hmm. Europe and did shitty jobs for 2 years. Yeah. You know like yeah. I think you have to get some form of life experience. I think what people yeah. are nervous about is if kids don't get uh, don't Go to college, what are they going to do for life experience? Mm-hmm. Because when you go to college, like, you know, now you're on your own, you're going to school, you have to manage a schedule, budget. I mean, it's kind of teaching you these life, you know, life lessons early. Yeah. Make friends. How to yeah. make friends. Yeah. So uh, worry about that.
0: Mm-hmm. I'll just get them season tickets to AM football.
3: Gig them. They'll <laughs> probably still be bad back then. Is now. Texas AM yeah. really that big a cult? It, oh, it oh, feels yeah. very yeah. cultish whenever I like. Like a, a Luke K was talking to me about it, it just felt really weird oh, yeah. and cultish. Our former intern, Texas A and M, and
2: Texas A and M listeners out there, we are looking for interns yes. and have a relationship with your university to provide you credit. So hit us up. <laughs> Exciting that y'all are also looking for
3: practitioners. Yeah. So if you're looking, coaches, if you're a chiropractor, you want to move to New Brothels, yeah. Texas. Look her yeah.
2: up. And coaches
0: and coaches. Yeah. We're lo- we basically are looking for members of our team because we went from. Zero patients January seventeenth to over two hundred fifty patients now, um, and we need more adjusting shifts. We need we need open open basically six days a week.
3: Nice, yeah, it's awesome. Yeah,
0: so it's it's thriving. Um, yeah, my goal there is just to really stay as the women's health um, lead kind of and um, focus on preconception, pregnancy, and postpartum healing. I haven't been to any births lately. My last birth I was at was in January, and it was a beautiful birth. And um, yeah, I don't. I think I'll revisit being a doula and or some form of you know attendant, birth attendant later in life. But right now, all my hours are spent either at the office or um, with Lance. Awesome. Yeah.
3: Well, cool. If people yeah. want to get a hold of you, where's the easiest way to social?
0: Easiest way, at birth it, um, or Lindsay underscore M underscore two. I did change my last name. That was a really important uh, decision for us. Just so when we got married, um, that was a big question from Lance was, would you be willing to change your last name? And I think this is a good question for to show up on a first date, especially when you're you know in your late 30s. Um, and I said, yes. And I said, would you be open to a home birth and um, no vaccines or Really hippy dippy shit like that, and he said, "Yeah, all right, so we're on the same page." (laughs) So that was our first date.
2: Or shit, let's just sign off. Yeah, we got to thanks for tuning in another episode of
3: Power Think Radio. Bye. Bye.